What's up, Sifters? Welcome to Game Face, episode 365 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your host for the next couple hours of awesome video game discussion. And alongside me to do that are my two co-hosts, Matt and Luna Kyle. What's up, Matt? Hey. <laughs> Luna's yeah, like... Of you just sat right here. Grimlock gone, Luna back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you guys missed it. Last week we had Matt's awesome new Grimlock toy on set and luna was scared of it and never showed yeah, luna up. doesn't like the servos <laughs> in that thing i thought that was pretty funny that she was just like nope i'm not hanging out with the weird robot thingy um, she doesn't like certain noises yeah even like in the like from games sometimes something will happen and she'll run run out of the room oh really i've never had a cat react to like noise from the TV. Yeah. My cats never even didn't even know the TV existed. It was like it wasn't even there. Mine have like Rampage. Rampage would. I remember back when the Winter Olympics run in the old apartment. She got real invested in skiing because she would watch the dark <laughs> skiing figure go across the white background, <laughs> and she would just sit there like. Yeah. And that actually happened once. Uh, I caught her. I was playing No uh, No Man's Sky, and I was just sitting in the part like landed in on a planet in the ship just sitting in the ship and i was doing something else because i'll sit leave my character just sitting in the ship while i do other stuff because sa he's safe in there uh -huh. and there were creatures on the planet they were walking back and forth in front of the ship and i caught and i went i looked down and she's she's looking at and she's watching the creatures walk back and forth on the screen wow which is what i thought was very interesting because some of the other cats have i could i've had couldn't see anything on it i could clearly tell nothing on the screen was, it was like it didn't was register registering for them yeah but no rampage would was watching the and then like they'd leave the screen and she she'd like look behind the tv and like i've seen the, youtube videos of cats yeah. that absolutely recognize the tv mm -hmm. and like freak out over it my cats have just acted like it wasn't even there it's bizarre i've seen a video of some there's a cat that just watches cartoons all day and, and yells at its, <laughs> at its owner until she puts them on <laughs> that's funny every cat's different uh hope you guys are doing good hope you guys have had a good week uh once again i have played a ton of video games for today's episode we have five different games we're going to talk about on today's show so it is loaded to the gills next week's going to be the same um just rolling straight out of october into november mm -hmm. uh, we are sifted this is game face if you want to support us head to patreon.com sifted and give us a pledge if you can we'd really appreciate it we did start an hour early not a minute early if you're not in daylight savings yeah so does europe not do daylight savings most places don't do yeah it's, it's just it's us our weird thing that we do <laughs> some places do i don't remember which ones do and don't yeah but surely there's some places that are like wait why are they why are they going at noon yeah or whatever your turn your time is well i wish i had gotten in hawaii up. and arizona yeah yeah I wish I had gotten up an hour earlier because today was an insane day. So my Tuesday mornings, as you might imagine, they're mapped out. Every minute is mapped out to get everything done just in time to get here to do the show. And today, my wife went down to get into her car and all of the antifreeze had drained out of her car. And so that just threw everything into chaos. Um, all the time that I usually have to get ready for the show was gone um, I had to take care of my wife, make sure my wife was able to get to work and make a plan to get her back from work later, get her car to the garage. This is one of those days. And then I come in here and I'm loading up all the media on the TriCaster and I open up the folder with all our lower thirds for the show, Matt. And when I first look, there's only four images in the folder. I'm like, that's wrong. There should be five. And as I'm looking at the folder, two more of the images disappear out of the folder. I have never seen that happen in my entire life working on Windows PCs. And I tried everything. I restarted it, unplugged the drive, unplugged it back in. Those images are gone. 
I don't, so we only have lower thirds for the first two topics of today's show. I'll have to insert the other lower thirds in post-production after the show is over this evening. So anyway, it's already been a nutty day. And here we are for an awesome episode of Game Face, as I said, with five games loaded in. Anything interesting happen uh, to you this week, Matt? No, I mean, uh, the internet died because my the router, my the house router, the power supply failed. So I had to get a new adapter for that. That's, That's weird. But yeah, you, you uh, no, for a, so no, a day with no internet. Interesting. That is. Um, <laughs> That'll change your life. <laughs> I mean, I how did that my, go? I set my phone up as a hotspot for my uh, for my my laptop. So it wasn't uh, bad, but it was, so you still had kind of internet. All the consoles and everything. He yelled at me. It's like there's no, no connection. What do we do? <laughs> I'm just like I don't. Know, I just play a fucking game anyway. I'm, yeah. But um. Yeah. Well, just, a lot of games you can't even play with them without the internet. Like, they need that handshake of, like, you're connected to the network. Like, I don't have any of those. But yeah. Like, um, yeah, you don't play games as a service anymore. No, or I, ever, really. No. Not, uh, I'm trying to remember the last one of those I played voluntarily. It might have been Avengers. Avengers. Um, there was that third-person shooter that you played, right? From Square Enix. That was that was actually a couple years ago now, though. Yeah. It has been a while. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean... Exo Primal, I guess. Yeah, oh not, yeah. It's not like I did that intent. I didn't do that on purpose, right? You know? <laughs> um, something yeah. I wanted to play yeah. it goes way back. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's oh, Diablo Four. Yeah, Toast Toast Nine is right. Diablo what? Diablo Four is the. Last oh, that's right. I guess that would be considered a game yeah. as a service. It, yeah, you have to ultimately. be online. Yeah, always online. <laughs> it's something that we didn't have to deal with back in the early aughts. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's check in on you guys. See what Europe, you- Europe did the daylight savings thing two weeks ago, they say, which is always surprising me a little bit because that, that daylight savings is so stupid. It seems like something only Americans would do. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> other people are d- just as dumb as us, apparently. Just on that. Yeah. <laughs> they won't use miles, but they will still do this stupid time change. Yeah. For some reason, I'm not getting um, our chat to come through the TriCaster today. I'm not sure why. It's a little weird. Let me um, exit out of it and try to reopen it again and see if it works second time. Uh, just one second, people. Sorry about that. I want to make sure we can get you guys into the show. There you are. I don't know what's going on with that. little finicky. This stuff all runs through networking, which is a little... Mm-hmm. It's like new technology, <laughs> so it doesn't always work the way it's supposed to. But now you guys are here. Let's take a look at what you guys are saying on this awesome Tuesday morning. Uh, Jay Reed Vic 7 says... Even a lot of the single-player experiences can get wonky without an internet connection, like Hitman, Mortal Kombat, etc. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. true. Yep, there's no doubt about it. Um, U.S. was set to remove daylight savings time in 2027, last I heard, from Caleb Faruqi. We, we voted for that, but I don't... It, the, the argument continues to go back and forth about which time to stay with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, like, the argument that's, like, if you, if you go... Most people wanted to stay with, like, the summer hours mm-hmm. so that it doesn't get dark as early in the winter. But then there's people who's like, well, if you're in Montana, then that means in December the sun doesn't rise until nine in the morning. Mm-hmm. Oh well. Yeah. Like, I mean that is a like, little weird, but <laughs> sure, it's weird. But it's also like you go for far enough up, 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 you know, you go far enough north or far enough south. That's what happened. You know? Yeah. Like Sweden deals with it <laughs> even worse. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, like, it's just okay, and they're like, oh, it's dangerous. Iceland. To, 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 yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's dangerous to drive home from work in the dark. Yeah. Or like, there's like, oh, children. pick your poison, basically. Yeah. yeah, children have to go to school in the dark. Okay, like, yeah, I had to. Yeah, when I, I did. was growing up. I went to school in the dark. When I got up in the morning, I was waiting for the bus. 
it was dark out. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but school tends to start at like 7.45 yeah. and it's dark no matter what. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I had to exactly. ride my bike in the fucking pitch blackness this middle yeah. school. in the Uphill in the both ways, right? Well, with, with like all this glo- <laughs> I mean, I live in San Francisco. It was still cold enough to have to wear gloves or you'd get frostbite. In San Francisco, you could actually do uphill both ways. You could. <laughs> if you, you took, took the right streets. Path, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, let's check back in on you guys here and see what's up. Um, Paradol says, who even lives in Montana? The sheep will be fine. <laughs> um, Eth Demon, what do you think of what's going on with the escapist? Well, I guess you could have saved that for Q&A at the end, but we'll let it slide. Hmm. Um, I mean, what? So Yahtzee and one other guy are starting a new website? A couple of them left. A bunch of other people got fired. Like, they're, they're, apparently they're doing some kind of pivot in terms of direction, but it's like most people were like, the escapist still exists? Like, the only thing they had was um, uh, Zero Punctuation. Yeah. And that's, you know, Yahtzee doesn't own Zero Punctuation. They do. But it's not like you can do it without him. Um, but he can't do it anymore. I'll have to rename it. You have to rename it. He still does his shtick. But it's, like, it's, mm-hmm. not, but it's not like Escapist can just replace him. No. I mean, they'll just kill the show. Yeah. I mean, are they even sticking around, Escapist? They seem to be. They are. In some form. Oh, And then okay. they, they, there was another show, I guess, it was gaining a little traction called Cold Take. But I don't know what that is. Mm. Um, Some of their content lately, we've curated more of it lately. Mm-hmm. I feel like their content actually had kind of turned a corner. With it better. did. They sort of. They had a for the last few years. They had a different team that really sort of turned a corner from like you know the old team was sort of terrible, yeah. um, both in terms of quality and in terms of like supporting GamerGate, mm-hmm. uh, which Yahtzee seemed to more or less stay out of. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, the Escapist has always been a weird. This has been a little bit of a weird. Like, I've never quite understood what it is. Yeah. So um, the other thing too why. is it, so Yahtzee and one of the guys from from there is starting a new thing, and then also a bunch of ex editors from Kotaku are launching mm-hmm. a paid gaming website. Yeah. Good luck. Kids. Yeah. You might you might want to have given me a call first mm-hmm. before you decided to go that route. But hey, <laughs> good luck. That's well, like, all I can or say. Maybe talk to Brandon Jones about that too. Right. It's like it's it, it it doesn't go well over time. Yeah. It's hard. It really is hard. Um, and if you're just creating content on Patreon, if you quit, you have nothing. Yeah. Nothing to sell. Well, also, it's like if you, I don't know, like there's, you know, Easy Allies made more sense, I guess, in mm. terms of where they were coming from and the fan base they had. It's like, I don't feel like Kotaku is, has enough people behind it in terms of like loyal fan base to really make They're hoping that, that their fans on Kotaku leave. Right. But it's like, who's, a, go to them. who's a Kotaku fan anymore? Yeah. Um, but every time you mention Kotaku, people just complain about it. And know? Polygon, for whatever reason, people seem to target both those outlets for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah. Well, some of it's just like, you know, Polygon's always sort of had a pretentious vibe to it that people mm-hmm. never liked, um, which I get. Like, you know, they've gotten better, but remember remember early on, some of that Polygon stuff was just insufferable. Here's like, what's crazy about Polygon. They still have no video content. Yeah. What the F? They're still here. That is so crazy mm-hmm. that they have no video content. In 2023, yeah. all their content is written content. Uh, lean it's organization. really bizarre. But those le- people who are still there, even in the lean, they should be making video. That's how you make money. I don't, anyway. <laughs> or it's how you expand production budgets and fold. Yeah. So. Well, if you know if you know what you're doing, hopefully you don't fold. But yeah. But no one. I mean, imagine the PR push and the brand reinvention you'd have to do to make people aware that there's video on Polygon now. Yeah. So it's been so long. Yeah. yeah. Not having video is one of their only remaining like <laughs> unique hallmarks. selling propositions. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, let's check back in with you guys before we get going into the housekeeping. Uh, Caleb Faruqi, thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, Pain of Demise, thank you. 
Yeah. Jay Reed Vic, seven, thank you. MK Ness knows they, they did have Brian David Gilbert for a while. Oh, okay. Um, That's right. He was doing his like little commentary videos. Yeah. And what happened to him? He just disappeared. He went and did his own thing, which you don't see him much anymore. Yeah. But... Gohan Rage, thank you for Twitch Prime as Honestly, well. that dude is talented and skilled enough that he can do whatever the hell he wants. And maybe he doesn't want to do public-facing stuff. Or maybe he just wants to get out of games because he can right. see, if he is smart, he can see the writing on the wall. Well, he's good enough to do nor <laughs> actual normal comedy right. or, I mean, I think live stage is his real passion. Yeah. I mean, he's so, talented. He can do yeah. a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, I think that's it from you guys in our chat so far. I'm sure as we get going, um, maybe there's one more. No, that was the last one about the escapist, I think. Uh, Mellow Pintor, thank you for gifting a tier one sub. That's awesome. Commander Fett, thank you for Twitch Prime. What else we got? Um, Kabirim Ron. I had a question. I'm a longtime YouTube member. Okay. Um, ask away. <laughs> um, Justin Horman, thank you for subscribing at tier two. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Um, we generally take questions at the end of the show, but since you are a subscriber on YouTube, if you can type it in right now real quick, he did. It's right there above Justin Horman's thing. Um, okay, since NVIDIA DLSS and ray tracing tech is proven superior to the AMD FSR tech in current consoles, would you have been okay with having a current gen console which is more powerful and efficient and giving up backwards compatibility? Yes. I don't care about backwards compatibility. You do, but I don't. I never use it. So I would, yes, I absolutely would. What about you, Matt? hundred uh, percent, you have to have backwards compatibility. You have to bring be able to bring your library forward with you now. That's it. There's I can no, no understand that. It. I'm just saying for me personally, I don't use it. So I if I could trade that in, for, I know you do, but if I could trade that in for a more powerful console, I would. Well, do. here's the thing. You, there's no, that's a nonsensical trade-off. Like there's no reason you'd have to trade those two things for each other. Well, you still have to do all the work on the games to make sure that they run on the you old really games. You really don't. You just have to have the same hardware config, which is what they did. Like now, but there yeah. was a lot of work that had to be done before. Before, like the, but not for this generation. When you're talking about ray tracing, like. Yeah. Well, I guess Xbox One X, you're right. They did all the work there. Yeah. Yeah. And like PlayStation Five is just an expansion of PlayStation. Like it's 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 all it, you don't have to trade those two. There's, well, we still don't have PS3 games, was, right? But there was no like they didn't decide to not put more robust hardware in the PS5 because they had to run PS4 games on it. No, that's no, not, that's, that, that doesn't make sense as a trade off. I think um, he's talking about like the price of parts and. But, you know. but again, backwards compatibility doesn't affect the price of anything. Like it, it's not a sensible trade off. Mm -hmm. um, so there's no reason to have to trade one for the other. Uh, would I prefer that the consoles are a little more powerful? Yes, but then they would have cost six hundred dollars. Yeah, that's that's the trade off. That is not backwards compatibility. That yeah. means nothing. Um, Caleb Faruqi says my question is in reference to last week's episode. Oh, here's his question: If you consider MGS, is backwards compatibility worthwhile long term? I don't know. It, yeah, I think it is. I mean, you wouldn't have to pay 60 bucks to play MGS3 on a PS5. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like it would look much better or yeah. worse. Yeah. The, only, the Really, the problem with the, the Metal Gear games are an interesting problem because uh, the early, especially 2, used functionality in the PS2 controller that doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Um, yep. Like, they never quite figured out a good way. Because, you know, very subtle things, but, like, it matter Like, the fact that in the original PS2 version, you hold the square button to aim your gun. 
And if you want to shoot, you let go of it. And if you don't want to shoot, you slowly let go of it. Because right. remember, the buttons had that analog functionality right. on the mm-hmm. PS2. And that hasn't really been there. I, th- I think the PS3 got rid of that and it's never come back. I haven't missed it. No, but for that speci- <laughs> those specific games, it kind of messes it up. Oh, yeah, it does. Because then to like undo that, the only way I've found to be able to undo that, uh, undo a pull, pull the gun aiming without shooting, is to de-equip the gun. Right. Which changes awkward. the camera angle and makes mm-hmm. it super awkward anyway and you're already using your left thumb to aim anyway because the, the controls on those things all suck um that's why the 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 the, the square button thing actually works mm-hmm. um but yeah it's uh there are, that's a weird thing to use as a backwards compatibility option because they're the ones that actually have trouble with it yeah um but yeah remember what i prefer to be able to play colony wars on a ps5 today by just sticking the disc in absolutely mm-hmm. but again that's going to be more common moving forward because now you're just sort of using the same hardware configurations with power boost, whereas the old consoles were like, we have to reinvent how hardware works every single time yeah. we put a new console out because there was this weird perception of like, if it's not a completely different way of approaching console hardware, why are we buying a new console? Really? You're right. Yeah. Um, you know, the Emotion engine sounds ridiculous now, but at the time you really did have to have something like that as a bullet point as you're just to get people excited putting a new console out. Yeah, because the other thing, too, is people understand technology way better now yeah. than they did back then. Like, the average Joe does. Like, they under, now, now people know what a GPU is and what a CPU is and what RAM is and what a motherboard is. Like, people have, as far as that is concerned, have graduated to college as far as understanding how computers work and what does what and how they fit together and, and how they're also not the as bottlenecks. Like, and, they're not as likely to believe some nonsense like emotion engine or right. blast processing. Because everybody knows now it's yeah. like everyone builds things basically the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, I mean, you're already looking at what the Switch 2 is going to be because of that the new Shield Tech thing they were showing. That, that new like, Tegra like, chip or that's, whatever. That's what the Switch it, 2 is. It I probably is going to be. Yep. Okay. Accept with, it. Come to terms with it right now because that's <laughs> what you're going to be playing Mario on. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think with that, it's time for us to get on with housekeeping. We're going to kick things off with a story about Fortnite, a game that we don't talk about all that often because, Matt, I feel like we we thought maybe... It was starting, it had cascaded already, and it was on the downside of its popularity. Um, yeah, but the downside of Fortnite's popularity could take a generation to disappear. I mean, Well, Epic had said from last year, they're like, our numbers aren't down as far as people who are still active players, but our numbers are way down as far as those people spending money on the, on the battle pass and cosmetics and things like that. So the revenue was on a downward slope while the users were kind of flat and plateaued. You would never know that though because they just launched the brand new season of Fortnite and it it had like the biggest concurrent day ever. 45 million players logged in mm-hmm. for Fortnite's new season over the weekend. 45 million people. Is that so? Was that they bring back the original map? It's the OG yeah. map, and the crazy so part. You're, is, what you're telling me is Fortnite is old enough to have nostalgia now. Yeah, for itself. Well, the crazy part is like a lot of like my nephews. They were too young when it came out that they don't even know what the OG mm-hmm. map is. <laughs> to them, it's just a new map. Yeah, it's new to you. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like crazy. NBC reruns. Yeah. So I think what we're seeing here is that Fortnite is very malleable and very durable. Um, I think when we count it out, we're probably, that's probably, we're being fools. Like, I think the thing is every time an 18 year old stops playing Fortnite, three 13 year olds start playing Fortnite. Mm -hmm. And it's just this cycle that I don't see going away until Fortnite is no longer sort of this panacea of tween gaming. Um, 
But it's it's going to take some whatever the next big thing is to replace it. Yeah, I don't know what it would be. Meanwhile, even... they lay off a thousand people and they have their their best week ever with yeah. Fortnite. Although they're still not profitable in the Epic Game Store. The Epic Game Store isn't profitable. Yeah. But when you're giving away half a billion dollars worth of games a year, you're kind of putting yourself behind the eight ball as far as turning a profit there. Um, but you're right. Epic Game Store still not making money. Fortnite making money hand over fist. Yeah. Somewhere in between I'll there. I'll tell you what they should do if they want to make revenue again on Fortnite is start bringing back the old skins to purchase. Right. You know, the, the ones that they say that the like that once are, they're gone, they're yeah. gone. Because that's ridiculous. There's... Plenty of kids, just like like you say, there's kids that weren't old enough. It's like, really, like some kid who wasn't old enough, or his parents didn't think that he was old enough to play this game, he never gets to play as Spider Man, right? Because he missed that week. Yeah, like that's fucked up. It is dumb. But the problem is, is that you, I wouldn't say swindle, but you're motivating people to get those mm -hmm. by with the idea that once they're gone, they're right. gone. But if you're not going to bring them back for sale until like years later, yeah, that's still an incentive. Yeah, yeah. Like you want to play Spider Man between now and like 2027 you gotta earn it right now but back then we might sell it for 10 bucks maybe when yeah. you launch a skin you tell them how long it's gonna be exclusive yeah. to the battle pass so say you get three years mm -hmm. that seems fair yeah and maybe only put it up for sale real fast right when you really need like a, a flash near the end of a quarter when you need a revenue boost yeah when you need know? a bump yeah I think it would work I, oh it absolutely would work absolutely particularly with some of the skins you're talking like Spider-Man some of the superhero skins that kids can't yeah. get now oh yeah I mean it's still leveraging like FOMO uh, in the way that like we think microtransactions are scummy for doing but I'm just yeah. saying you're already you're in for a penny in for a pound on this thing that's what Fortnite does so. yeah it is kind of crazy when I look back. It's like I try and to at least think... this adds some kind of value to the consumer and that they can get the things that they, you know, they missed. Yeah. When I think back across like all the decades of gaming that we've covered, there aren't many games that are big hits that I never get into. But this is one of them. I've never really enjoyed Fortnite. Fortnite. I play it. And I don't hate it or anything, mm -hmm. but I'm just like, I'd rather just play something else. There's that. Minecraft I never really got into. I don't remember the last time a game was a giant hit that I did get into it. That you did get into yeah. it? Most of the big, you know, all-encompassing all games, I don't, I don't care about this, I don't care about PUBG, I don't care about COD, I don't care about Minecraft, mm -hmm. uh, I didn't care about Angry Birds, I didn't care... You know, like it's, I, the last time I was on the cutting edge of the thing that's super popular is probably Modern Warfare 2. Or Bloodborne... Dark Souls. Those aren't the critical mass that yeah. these things. You know, everybody. No, you're right. Parents of people that have never parents of people who play games who have never played games themselves know what these things are. They don't know what Bloodborne is. No, you're no, you're right. Yeah, you know, like that. Like the the big, you know, top thing. Elden Ring millions maybe is a million. good comparison though. It's it was a sensation, of, but it's also not really discussed, is it? No, like anymore. you don't see CNN doesn't talk no. about Elden Ring. They <laughs> no, do no. talk about Fortnite. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not it's not on the same scale. Yeah, so. uh... <laughs> Rumors Mario of Kart. Fortnite's good, demise were wrong. <laughs> it is. Good point, Evu, Ian. Mario Kart. Not into Mario Kart. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things ever. Yeah. Although, is it? I mean, it's big, but it's like, I never felt like there was every just one. Si every single child I know with a Switch plays Mario Kart. Yeah. That's that's a stand. I mean, it's, it's almost... It yeah. sold another four million yeah. copies in the last quarter, Matt. I think that that has to be the highest attach rate to the <laughs> Switch, insane. right? At this point. I think so. Uh, that, Tears, of the Kingdom. Of Tears of the Kingdom has already sold almost 20 million units. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, what did Breath of the Wild end up getting to? Like 28 or something? Or maybe it got to 40. 
Now that I think about it, I can't remember. Um, but anyway, twenty million already for Tears of the Kingdom—that is freaking what huge. Is Caleb so. Faruqi talking. I was definitely on point with Spider-Man Two prediction. Matt was on point with his Spider-Man Two prediction. I'm not sure what prediction that was. I don't know what that, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure I was. But, <laughs> but I don't know what. I don't know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next. Anyway, if you guys think Fortnite's going away, it's not. It is bigger than ever. It's still making money hand over fist, and they still just laid off a thousand employees. I did say it was going to be a good game. I was correct. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that was a brave prediction, there, yeah, Kyle. Bold. <laughs> really went out on a limb on that. Going one. going off of merely twenty five years of Insomniac's track record. <laughs> Yep, bold predictions. Uh, so anyway, Fortnite is not going away. It is just becoming stronger. Uh, next up, BlizzCon was this weekend. Did you check out any of the festivities? Not, not that you'd notice. Yeah. I saw that like they announced like three expansions for World, World of Warcraft. <laughs> they did, yeah. Um, and that Cataclysm's coming to World, World, World of WoW Classic, which seems like the opposite of what you do. Like, it feels like Classic exists to play World of Warcraft pre-Cataclysm, <laughs> yeah. so I don't really understand what the purpose People of People were is. pretty pissed off. They felt like they were being trolled, basically. Well, like I the, can understand it. Yeah. Like, what else is WoW Classic if not before we ruined the map with Cataclysm? Because I'll tell you, I mean, I'm not, I never got super into World of Warcraft, but, like, uh -huh. I played... Uh, our group at G4 started playing because Morgan demanded it. She like basically pointed at a bunch of us. We're like, "You're all we're all playing World of Warcraft starting this weekend. Get an account." And we're like, "Okay." <laughs> we're like, when Morgan said so, you did it. Yeah. So we so we did. We played the whole thing. We it was right the tail. It was right when uh, end of Burning Crusade, like right as uh, Wrath of the Lich King came out, mm -hmm. and we played that like to hell and back. Like everything we did, everything is that we max level raiding the whole thing. Um, one of our one of the guys in the group got obscenely good at playing the auction house, so like we had more money than we could know what to do with, and like it was all it was fun. Uh, and then Cataclysm came out, and we played two two days, and everybody quit. <laughs> that was it. it was I the mean, end of it. That is not surprising. And me I was at disappointed because I wanted to play a worgen. Uh, I I had a worgen named Worgen Meb. <laughs> That I got permission from Morgan to. I'm like, is it okay if I call my my Worgen that? And she's like, yes, that's fine. So I so I have a I had a Worgen named Worgen Meb that I was very excited to play, but then like I just hated it. I just, yeah. Not the Worgen. Worgen. Oh, was I fun, hate World of Warcraft. But I hated I twice. Cataclysm. Cataclysm ruined everything. I just hate World of Warcraft. Is not my MMOs. Not for me at all. Um, uh, well, as I've said many times, like like the problem I have with MMOs is. Um, they're filling bars. You're just mm -hmm. filling. Like I have never played Waiting, an. Watching, I've never played downs. an MMO that I thought was fun. Me either. As a game, yeah, the closest. The yeah. closest is Final Fantasy XIV. The combat Which I in that played at all. is it's it, the combat in that is is it's not real time really, but you're lining things up in queues enough that it kind of feels like you're doing combos and it can play you can play with a controller. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was it's and and the world is interesting to explore. Like it's an interesting place to be. Um, for the most part. So that's the closest I think an MMO has gotten to being a fun game to me. Yeah. Actually, no. I would also say uh, Earth Earth Above and Beyond, which no one remembers. I've never even heard of that. That was the, sp the spaceship uh, MMO from like 2001 that EA put out. Remember that? I don't remember it, no. It was only around for like a year. Huh. And it was actually built on the Command & Conquer Renegade engine. But <laughs> I played I played that game in the game. I didn't have a gaming PC yet because I was a, a, a young child mm -hmm. who had just started working at Tech TV. But uh, I played that in the game lab after work for like we months. Wow! I, I maxed the whole thing out. It I must saw have happened whole, before I got there. It was. It was. It was <laughs> like. It was like months. I wasn't even full time yet. Yeah. I would just go into to freelance, and after I was done, I'd just play Earth and Beyond, and everyone else went home. Yeah. And like, um, 
I love that game absolutely to death, and uh, I probably wouldn't like it now. No. But like, it, that, there's only a couple that I've really gotten into. Well, what you guys have been seeing for the last couple of minutes is one of those three expansions Matt was talking about. This is World of Warcraft, The War Within. It will be the 10th expansion for World of Warcraft, 10th major expansion, and it's coming in 2024. They haven't announced the date yet. Um, did you think back then when you were creating that Morgan character that World of Warcraft would still be going in 2023, announcing three new expansions and like well, there'd be World of Warcraft Classic? And it wasn't really on my mind. Yeah, <laughs> you just didn't want to play it anymore. Um, AJ the Legend Watson brings up City of Heroes as a fun I game. I like City of Heroes. That was a pretty fun MMO to play. Um, I would argue that's that's probably my top five most played MMOs. City of Heroes is good. City of Heroes took a hit from me because it was the game I was playing when uh, one of my cats died. No. Uh, um, like, I was playing it, and I noticed he was gone, mm-hmm. and I went and went to find... Because he'd been to the vet and was not having a good... He had not been having a good time, and I went to find him, and he was... He'd basically gone under the sink to die. Yeah. And I had to take him in and do it. So, and I will always remember, I was playing uh, City of Heroes when How you when associate things with moments like that in yeah. life. That's just human nature. Just that's how, how it goes. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, City of Heroes was good. Like, it, it, uh, it, City of Villains was even better. Like, yeah. I, it was cool how they integrated them and it all kind yeah. of worked together. Uh, the Mastermind is actually one of my favorite MMO classes of all time. I thought it was a very well, well done yeah. thing. Uh, World of Warcraft just I mean I appreciate what it is for what it is but it's not the thing that catches my interest like you're never gonna really pull me in that way and I've played a fair amount I played the beta I played the early stuff I it's fine it's 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 the template it made it playable you know it's the funny thing is I remember um, back in the day when we were playing it at Wrath of the Witch Wrath of the Lich King era and we had to install these mods to make it play you know, the, the compass thing to point you to the next uh, quest thing and the extra map stuff and all mm-hmm. that. You had to install these extra mods and activate them. And now they're just part of the UI. They're a part of the game. Like they yeah. just integrated all that. And Because there was a period, and probably most of the people watching this show remember that, but there's a period where younger younger people may not remember where it's like the frustration and and difficulty of use for a long time was considered part of the genre yeah like <laughs> it's a, it was a genre like tenet. i don't know yeah. if there was a worse you know for, i don't know if there's a worse precedent for any genre other than beyond everquest yeah because everquest was so impenetrably user unfriendly that like for years people are like well if you have something that shows you where you need to go that's cheating yeah. And it's just like, no, it's <laughs> <funny>. just playability. Because <laughs> like, yeah. what else am I going to do? I'm going to go look it up online and find the map thing and just go, like, why don't you just put that in the game? Yeah. Why, why are you wasting my fucking time? It's like, I am not going to figure out which farmhouse is third house from the left in this part of the, <laughs> in the unlabeled map that doesn't tell me. I have to ask NPCs what yeah. part of the farmland. Is. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, come on. Nobody's, nobody, nobody wants to do that. Yep. So yeah, it's uh, it's come a long way, but it, uh, I don't like. Well, I've logged into it a couple times in the last like five years, probably just to see how it went, like a free weekend or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't even recognize it anymore. Wow. Like, like the the it, you can jump to any dungeon, any raid. Like, it's all these like shortcuts for things. Um, like I don't very user friendly. Yeah, now. It, it's it's uh, you can do anything you want. Like they've completely freed it up for you, to, which is great. That's good. Yeah. But I just don't even know what I'm looking at anymore, and I just don't care. <laughs> By the way, the trailer we were just watching is one of Blizzard's awesome CG trailers. Watching it without the audio doesn't do it justice. If you want to check it out, head to sifting.net. Yeah, the we one thing Blizzard there. always delivers on. Yeah. Yep. Their trailers still. Their trailers are amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, two other things were announced at BlizzCon. Two other big things. The first is a new Overwatch 2 hero named, I hope I'm saying this wrong, a right Mauga, I think is how you say it. M A U G A. 
He is a Samoan yeah. tank. Yeah. Um, and he was available for the weekend. You could test him out if you wanted to. And now he's gone. And I don't think he comes back now until like December 7th or December 14th or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, do you ever play tanks in games, Matt? No. Me either. Not, not my th- well, for two reasons. First, I don't find that a very interesting gameplay mechanic. And two, uh, being a tank inherently requires other people to do the work. Mm. And I don't trust anyone else. To do that. <laughs> That's funny. Well, he is a tank. Um, and as I said, he was available to try out this weekend. He'll be permanently a part of the game beginning on December 7th, I believe it is. Um, and they also announced another new character for um, Overwatch 2. And it is the first ever non-binary character in, in any Overwatch, Overwatch 1 or 2. And it's a damage hero named Venture. Hmm. Now, they put out some a very quick snippet of gameplay from that and that's it they have not released a trailer yet for that character but that character does not is not added to the game until next year Mm. Um, so they basically announced two brand new characters for overwatch 2 one of them's coming soon the other one is coming next year and then the final thing that they announced at blizzcon is the first major expansion to diablo 4 which is diablo 4 vessel of hatred and this one they did share a date for it is coming in late 2024 so q4 holiday season around there halloween probably that seems like a long time for the first expansion from the game's initial release maybe i mean they've they've probably been delayed a bit by having to unbreak the game they've broken at least once yeah um they took them seemed to take them a while to find their feet on how to balance it and what the community wanted from the game Mm -hmm. so i'm sure that didn't help but so i would i would guess maybe the original plan was to put this out a year after the game came out yeah and now they kind of lost some time on that yeah they've definitely stumbled a little bit post-launch there's Mm -hmm. no doubt about it and you're right they've had to hustle and try to fix things and make amends for the game in a lot of ways with the fans which is funny because for me personally it's like i finished a campaign and i was like okay i'm good like Mm -hmm. but for most diablo players that's just just the beginning um so i think for more casual folks like me you're like what's the big deal like i played through diablo 4 i thought it was great i had a good time now, but for the real loot, fans yeah. that's not how it works the end game loot grind is is what we're doing like, whatever they did recently changed it so it's like basically a giant like rainbow of loot everywhere like yeah everybody seems pretty happy with the most recent change so maybe they finally figured, figured it, it out. out. Yeah. Uh, also, that DLC might might be gigantic. Like we don't. Yeah. Know, you I mean, know. I'm guessing it will be. Yeah. I mean, I'm expecting it to be. I mean, the game was pretty. I mean, even if the if the DLC is just the equivalent of like one or two of the maps from you know area the, the regions in the main mm-hmm. game, that's a giant yeah. piece, of, piece of DLC. Well, I mean, it's funny. You know, like I said, you know, real fans of Diablo, they finished the campaign and they're just getting started. I mean, it took me like 30 hours to finish the campaign. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't like it was just like a five hour thing. Like. I think yeah. for most people that bought Diablo 4, even if they're not hardcore fans, they got their, their money's worth. Sure, so. but like the hardcore fans to them, it's basically a lifestyle game. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. So anyway, that's those are the big updates from BlizzCon 2023. I'm just glad to see that this stuff is happening again, Matt, that we're having these in-person conventions again and like everything's back to normal. Like really at this point, the only thing left to come back in full is E3. <laughs> Well, that's never happening. I mean, that's not happening. So um, it's good to see life getting back to normal, the games industry getting back to normal, fans yeah. being able to go to fan fests like I mean, BlizzCon again. That's a little hard for me to swallow having just had COVID two months ago. It's not right. gone. Well, no, it's definitely not gone. But these events are happening as if nothing I mean, ever nothing happened. happened. I just, I went to the Directors Guild uh, last night and saw the first episode of Monarch. Oh. Uh, they were the, the the Godzilla spin-off Apple TV series that they're they're showing it there and I'm like, well, what the hell? Yeah. Um it's pretty good. 
but there's a there's a scene where uh, one of the characters is in Tokyo and they have a they have a kaiju a Godzilla warning and everybody has to run in these Godzilla shelters. It's actually very cool. Like when you're driving through through Tokyo and it's to- parts of Tokyo I recognize, but there's these giant signs with Godzilla and like arrows <laughs> because like there's it's like a fallout shelter. Yeah, there's, a basically. Fa- there's basically a shelter system in place for a kaiju attack now. <laughs> and um, they and, and and there's it's very fun. There's some funny stuff in it. There's a there's a reference to people who think everything's a hoax and mm-hmm. things. Um, but uh, the main character has to hide in this thing and we they go down and they're like we have to wait for the all clear and the all clear message eventually plays and it's like it's like it says stuff in japanese and then it says it in english and the english is like it's like all clear everything is all clear return to your normal life and it's it's, it's just like yeah that's pretty much what happened isn't it like that Go back to your normal life. Just pretend that there aren't giant monsters out there that could About strike at any moment. smash your entire yeah. family. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it w- I, I, one of my things for the MonsterVerse, that, that world, is sort of like, why are you making these? Yeah. I mean, other than to make money. Because, like, yeah. like, you know, the Godzilla movies, other than the first one and Shin Godzilla and the new one, are you know, they're, you know, they're allegories for things. They're social commentary and political commentary, very much so. And they're usually very good at it. Mm-hmm. The other Godzilla movies are just like dumb, fun. fisted actually. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're kids' movies or dumb, like pro wrestling and rubber suit movies, which yeah. are great, you know, fun. Lots of, but I watch these, like the Godzilla vs. Kong and Godzilla King of the Monsters and all this, and I'm just like, why are you making these? Because I don't understand what's the point. Sort of, but it's like there has to be more than that. Like, because they're not that entertaining. Money. So, <laughs> money and entertainment. Right, but they also don't make that much money. Oh, really? I mean, they, they have. I thought the last one did pretty well. They, no, Godzilla vs Kong did okay because it was the only good one. Mm-hmm. It um, was pretty good, actually. Yeah, uh, I thought King of the Monsters was one of the worst things I've seen in yeah, theater in a long. Bad. It was really boring. Yeah. Like there was a guy two rows ahead of me at the King of the Monsters who started scrolling through his news feed on his phone, and normally that would infuriate me. And you didn't even me. complain. And I always look down at him. I'm just like, you know what, dude? I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, in fact, there are a couple moments where I started looking looking down to see what his news feed said because it was more interesting than whatever horrible dialogue Bradley. <laughs> Whitford was struggling to deliver. That's the poor man should not have had to do that. He took a role in a Godzilla movie and got got screwed. Um, but yeah, the Monarch thing was actually pretty good. I would watch. I'll watch more of those episodes. But I thought it was funny that the the little, little, again a little, they're finding their feet on this show because like a little bit of social commentary there. Like yeah. go back to your normal life. Just just everybody file out of the, show, the, the the shelter for the giant lizard and just go back to shopping or whatever you were doing. It's like consumerism. Yeah. Yep. Uh, next up for our housekeeping. Uh, we got some information yesterday out of the PlayStation camp that it is ending its integration with Twitter, now called X. Xbox announced that it was doing the same thing a couple months ago, so now both PlayStation and Xbox have no integration with Twitter any longer. Um, <laughs> if you knew that they even had it in the first place. Well, you should, because the PlayStation controller has a share button on it that is there only because of its integration with Twitter. That's the only reason that button exists on a PlayStation controller. That button's there for me to take screenshots of No Man's Sky. Everybody <laughs> knows that. Um, and basically what's happened, if you're wondering, is that Elmo has decided to charge people to access the API for Twitter. Something mm-hmm. no other website, no other app, no other anything does because it's just bad business like you you want people to share your stuff out on the wilds of the internet so more people use your app or your website they discover it they go to it like it is so short-sighted so now you have this button on your playstation controller that you're right now is only there to just save screenshots on your hard drive of your console um so it's interesting we have also lost integration with twitter 
at Sifted. We're not paying money to use his API. That's insane. Like, nobody is going to do that. And so my hope is... Reddit tried it. Reddit tried to pay for the API? Try to, try to charge for their API. Oh, they tried to charge for it I don't as know. Well. I don't know if they're still doing that. They, they attempted it. I don't know how that went. And I mean, not well, but I haven't heard Well, I think, wasn't it. Reddit, though, it was for, like, data collection, though? Yeah, but as still, no one's ever done... I mean, I think they did it following... It's like, oh, if Elon can do something that's stupid, we can do yeah. something that's stupid, so... Yeah. So anyway, you can no longer, like, upload screenshots to Twitter, upload videos to Twitter. I actually use that stuff every once in a while. Like, I don't know. I think I've done it a couple times. I, I put up some, I think, some some Ghost of Tsushima screenshots I was proud of mm-hmm. through Twitter that way. Yeah. But again, like, I mean, that is, I mean, look, it's just, you know, two more two more major companies don't want to do business with Elon's disaster of a, of a site. Social media, Big, it, whatever you know, it is at this point. What a shock. <laughs> I love how his whole thing was, like, free speech. And literally, it is the opposite of free speech. You pay. Mm-hmm. You pay to get your comment at the top of every thread. That is the opposite of free speech. It's paid speech. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like, I can't. anyway. So anyway, the share button for Twitter no longer works on Sifted. It's broken mm-hmm. because we won't pay for the API. And now the same thing's going to happen on Xbox and PlayStation. I wouldn't be surprised if everybody else in the world says does the same thing. And you're just yeah. going to end up losing those hooks for Twitter integration. Yeah, I mean, so. the Twitter blue thing is pretty useful because you can go into the replies and scroll past every one of the blue check, and then you get to the actual intelligent replies. It's insane what has happened to that app. It's like, hey, let's let the idiots who are too stupid to have insightful comments bubble up on their own merit. Let's let them pay mm-hmm. so their dumbass comments are at the top of every discussion yeah. thread. Let's, mean- have, let's put the dumbest effing people at the top of every discussion on our platform. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty solid grift, but the problem is it turned out there aren't nearly enough of those people to fund the yeah, company. Like, yeah. like I and think, their ad revenue's down 50%. Like, yeah. it's just a joke. Well, because, yeah, when, like, you're guaranteed to have your, have your ads sandwiched between two, like, nut job white supremacists yeah. spouting yeah. the hey. same talking points yeah. on top of each other, like, why would, you, no one's going to buy laundry yeah. detergent. If you're Procter and Gamble, do you want your Pillsbury Doughboy next to some dude with a Nazi flag outside of Disneyland? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what's on Twitter now. Nazis all over the place. Insane. I've, yeah. I've never seen a mismanagement of anything as bad as Twitter. That's because most Silicon Valley uh, mismanagement isn't done publicly. But I can assure you, as someone from there who has dealt with a fair amount of tech people from up there, <laughs> most of them are real dumb. It's mind-boggling. And you that. can tell they're real dumb because they fall for such ridiculous shit like the NFT crypto shit. I mean, you did you you saw no, the yeah. the thing in Hong Kong this week? I didn't, but there's a there was a bit like a NFT board ape yacht club uh, uh, convention thing in Hong Kong. Um, they had a bunch of stage lighting and things up. They had UV lights up. They were disinfectant UV lights for like cattle pens. So all these people like the next day were like, why do my eyes hurt? They sunburned everyone's corneas <laughs> with industrial disinfectant UV lights used as decoration because these people don't know shit about, about how shit. anything works. Nope. Like I said, now the dumbest people are at the top of every thread on Twitter. Mm-hmm. The dumbest people. Because first of all, paying $8 a month to use a free app, dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Period. Anyway, if you want to hear something else dumb, the next story is equally stupid, but this one is from Japan. Capcom said this week that it believes that PC mods are no different than cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, they're right if the mod is a to cheat. cheat. <laughs> but if, like, but if you're just making Chun Li appear naked, you're kind of just a loser. Well, <laughs> you're not pay, you're not cheating. You're just pathetic. But here's the thing, Matt. Is there any such thing as cheating in a single player game? Yeah, but really? like, who cares? I mean, yeah, I mean, if I put a god mode code in, I'm cheating, but who cares? Is it, though, if you're not hurting anybody else? Yeah. Like, I guess. Like, I mean, I mean, they were called cheats back yeah, in the day. you're cheating at the game, but yeah. who, if you're the who only one playing, who cares? Who cares? I mean, this comes out of the, the naked Chun-Li thing, is, oh, right. was the process, yeah. which is and not And that's a, just cosmetic stuff. Right. They're just pissed off that people screwed with their code, and well, now pissed, there's naked Chun-Li pictures all over the well, internet. Well, they're pissed off that it was on a stream. That's what, it was right. on a, a, a fighting It was in an official esports yeah. stream. <laughs> Which, again, is like, I mean, that's not something... I wouldn't go after mods for that. I'd go after right. whoever organized that, right. that, that tournament and didn't check the fucking mods didn't on the... I mean, come on. Yeah. People. They're looking for someone to blame other than the people they should be blaming, basically. Um, now, I hear you. If, if PC mods in multiplayer games, that's definitely a problem. But, mm -hmm. well, truth be told, they've already found tons of cheaters in Modern Warfare 3 during the beta weekend. Of course. Already. Tens of thousands of people using aimbots and wall hacks. You want to know how I knew for sure that cheating in games was way out of control? Was I talked to my nine-year-old nephew who was telling me that he just installed an aimbot and a wall hack in Fortnite. Mm. I, he said the name aimbot. He said the word aimbot in my eyeballs almost popped out of my freaking head. He's nine. Yeah. And was, he knew what an aimbot and a wall hack was because everybody's doing it. Like yeah, it's, all it's, it's these basically games, keeping up with the Joneses at this point. Seriously, all these games are just littered with cheaters. Uh, they can't figure it out. They can't stop it. Call of Duty, no different. I saw, I reported in that beta weekend, I reported at least 20 people who were cheating. Mm. So all you got to do after you get killed is click the right stick and a cheat. They're doing the best they can to try to stop it, but they can't because everybody's doing it. So um, I, multiplayer games, I understand what Capcom's saying. Single player games, F off. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't care. I mean, I cheated. Who cares? I cheated the living shit out of Baldur's Gate 3. Nobody just cares. Just to make it enjoyable. But, like, I don't care. that's the. Like, that's what those things are for. Yeah, you're not affecting anyone else. It's fine. I, anyway. So I'm affecting whether or not your achievements mean anything. That, I've seen that. <laughs> I've actually seen that argument. Where I, I can understand some people who are crazy hardcore into achievements. Like, that was one of the questions in the mm -hmm. latest episode of Ash Ain't Anything was what I think of achievements and trophies. But I don't really can't partake in them. Like, yeah, I mean, I, the answer to that is I don't. I don't either. Yeah. Like, I, I haven't cared about achievements and trophies since the, probably the 360 generation. In part because you can't see anyone's anymore. I, it yeah. was different. Like, the, the that generation, more 360 than PS3, but like... Your trophies and your and your achievements were sort of prominent whenever you looked at anyone's profile. Nowadays, I don't look at anyone's profile anyway. And even if you do, you got to dig three screens down to find their achievements anyway, or intentionally compare your achievements to theirs. And nobody does that. Like, who cares? Yeah. Like, it's not interesting anymore. It's no longer part of the hook. So, I haven't paid attention. You know, everyone's like, "Oh, I'm going to platinum the Spider-Man game." I'm like, I don't even know what the trophies in the new Spider-Man game are. Yeah. I don't care. I went and looked through my trophies and achievements because of that question and looked, and it was, it's, I'm just like you. 360 era, tons of Oh, tons of thousands out of a thousand. Like, I but used then to I do went, everything. Yeah. I go cold on Xbox for like yeah. six years and all my achievements and all my trophies then are on PlayStation. And now, now it's kind of split down the middle for this generation. I'm kind of getting equal achievements mm -hmm. on both of them. But anyway. It, yeah, I just don't care. I, I, yeah. I, it's cool. When one pops up, I'm like, oh, cool. And it's, it's always interesting to me to see which achievements are rare 
Like yeah. that's a good that was a good addition where it's yeah, like yeah. you can see like oh this one's less than you know four percent it's I mean not that I care and like oh I have so many rare achievements it's more like it's interesting to me to see which stuff people don't do yeah you know like yeah. it's so like as a metric it's an interesting little thing but like overall do I do I go out of, out of my way to get all the achievements for anything and not for a decade now I don't even have the uh, graphics turned on anymore they don't even pop because I record b-roll and I don't right. want the things popping up in the b-roll so I, I don't do, even know when they I do leave anymore. them on but there are moments like the the rare achievement pop-up on Xbox takes so fucking it long does, to go yeah. away I'm like there's moments where I'm like <laughs> I'm trying to it. play here dude yeah, you're in front of the subtitle I can't pick the dialogue choices if you're doing that yeah uh, so anyway Capcom's crazy um, another piece of housekeeping from this week uh, Microsoft Again, a job for the Duck Consulting Agency. Microsoft decided it was going to pull the free Game Pass perk from its employees. So, I, so I guess we can officially say that they're really looking for new subs at this point. <laughs> I mean, what does that tell you? Yeah. Uh, so I, mean, I did the math. To be fair, Phil says he didn't even know this was happening. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to look into it. Because it's like, this is the most... Bo like, you're giving your employees a really interesting and good perk that helps get them engaged with the brand the they're trying yeah. to work with. And it costs you nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's This is definitely short-sighted, weird executive shit. Oh, yeah. From probably above Phil's oh. pay grade. <laughs> so um, I did the math, and it worked out that they were losing, like, you know, a lot of money per month. But but only if you think every single person would there then would pay. then pay to subscribe. Right. Yeah. Like that doesn't, you want your employees to believe in your product. There's also, you know, like, uh, presumably your employees are providing you enough value in their day-to-day -day work that it's worth a $15 a month expenditure to keep them entertained yes. when they're not there. Right. Like, yeah. It was really dumb. It builds loyalty. <laughs> really it, 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 it like makes them feel good. They've got that extra. Per I, I, yeah. There's no downside to keeping this in place for the employee. It's ridiculous. Because it costs them nothing. nothing. It's nothing. Nothing. Like Pac figured out like the server costs or whatever. And he's like, it costs like four cents per hour to stream stuff on mm -hmm. xCloud. Like it costs Completely you nothing. Ridiculous. Yeah. So I don't know what Microsoft was thinking, but it did reverse course and decide it was a terrible idea. And so now its employees will continue to get I mean, Game Pass. In I mean, even G4 paid for our parking. Right. You know, like, That's come right. on. If G4 can afford to pay yeah. for that, then come on. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> yep. Uh, next up in housekeeping, we only got a couple more stories here. Um, we talked we talk about Lies of P, which is a... Bloodborne-ish clone, definitely uh, Souls-like, uh, that ended up selling a million units in its first month. And we said that was amazing for a small game like Lies of P. Well, because of those sales, Lies of P is now getting a sequel. Maybe the least surprising news of the week, Matt? Because mm -hmm. anytime a game from a small publisher sells a million copies, 100% is getting a sequel. I mean, this is the holy grail yeah, they for probably small publishers. They probably wouldn't have been happy with half that. Right. Oh, I think even a half a million, they would have made a sequel. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it'll probably end up selling like three or four million by the time it's all said and done. It'll get discounted to 30 or 40 bucks. It'll sell another million. Like it's going to end up doing very well. Um, so good to see that this will come, come back because let's be honest, a lot of people do like it. Even though we didn't like it, a lot of people do. And um, I'm not about raining on other people's parades. If a lot of people like Lies of P, I'm happy for them that they're getting a sequel. So um Probably get information on that, my guess. We'll get the first trailer at the Game Awards next year or something like that, yeah, would be my guess. I wouldn't guess. worry about this until probably 2027. Yeah, that's when we'll get the game, likely, yeah. for sure. Um, so anyway, Lies of P2 is on the way. Truths of P. Yep. 
Um, and then we finally got pricing for the new headsets for PlayStation. PlayStation is releasing those new, cool, really cool, I think, earbuds. Mm-hmm. Repla- <laughs> they ain't that cool. They are that cool because they cost $200. Mm-hmm. They The earbuds cost $200. And then the new cans that they're releasing, those are also $200, which that makes a little more sense. But even that's outrageous. Like, you can get, like... Brand new top of the line headset from any competitors for like 160 bucks. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason to spend 200 dollars on a pair of headphones for gaming. Like, you can get the very best for like 160, 180. Uh, so those are way overpriced. I don't know what PlayStation's thinking. Earbuds for 200 bucks, you can get AirPods for like what 150, 140, something like that. Yeah, less if you wait for like the right Amazon sale or. Or if you wait for the new version to come out and buy the old version, then you get them for like 100 bucks. Like. I don't know what PlayStation is thinking with that pricing. PlayStation's done a couple head-scratching things lately that I'm just like, what? Like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? And then another smaller story from the PlayStation camp this week. We reported on Game Face, was it two weeks ago, I think, about how there were layoffs at Naughty Dog, and those layoffs came from the, the Last of Us multiplayer team. Well, one of the people working on that team went on Twitter and said this week, the game isn't canceled. Hmm. So what do you think is going on there, Matt? I don't know readjustments of some kind do you think it's so far along that they were able to cut staff down to the core to finish it off like maybe it seems crazy to me i don't know enough about i mean it doesn't seem crazy to me it seems like we just don't know something do you think it's weird that naughty dog or sony didn't come out and say something instead of this this rogue employee that seems a little weird i mean odds are that the company is uh, bound by the same ndas and this employee just doesn't care Think this guy will get fired? <laughs> the guy who announced this might. He might for saying something that a lot of people were relieved by. Mm-hmm. But you're right. If you can't keep your mouth shut, especially a Naughty Dog, it's it is if crazy. Neil, Neil Druckmann thinks you might leak the next plot point to Last of Us Part Three. Yeah, you're out. He doesn't trust you. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It is crazy how secretive the games industry is compared to every other entertainment industry. It depends. Like I've I've. Uh, learned a little bit, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of secrecy in the board game industry because everyone's afraid that someone will beat them to the punch with some new mechanic. Copy the ideas, Um, yeah. Because especially like games that take years to make. Mm -hmm. Um, Movies, there's a lot of secrecy on that. We're getting a Ghostbusters Afterlife 2 trailer tomorrow. We don't even know the title of that movie. Really? Nobody knows anything about that movie. It was supposed to come out in December, but it's not. It feels not. like generally we do know more about films Usually from leaks, so. but that's from like leaks and right. set pictures from not outside of things. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, official stuff is pretty tightly controlled and even more tightly controlled now that, um, you know, the strike is still on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing about that Monarch thing was uh, in that shot, I don't know if you know, but Kurt Russell and his son play the same character at different ages. No, I didn't know that actually. Uh, his son Wyatt is that's like him cool. in 1959 and he plays the same character like older. Uh-huh. And A, his son does a dynamite impression of his father. I mean, <laughs> who, who so. doesn't, right? Um, but most of our fathers are not Kurt Russell. Right. Um, <laughs> but there's a, there's a world in which this strike had been settled early because, earlier because the studios decided to pay their fucking actors properly. And Kurt Russell showed up to the Q&A last night and I got to see that. And so I'm mad at the studios for that, too. <laughs> pay the goddamn actors, people. Yeah, they should. What are you going to do? It's like, oh, last offer. What are you going to do? Just no more actors? Like what's the? I don't know. What get, do they think the end game is? I don't know. Well, you I see, saw their latest contract offer. They yeah. like were like, okay, once you die, we have the rights to you. The rights to you forever is like, and, and the sags like are you crazy. No, are you crazy? You've been they've been on strike for months, and that's your offer. Yeah, <laughs> shows you how serious they're taking it. It's crazy. So anyway, 
That's our housekeeping. <laughs> I think that you think it'll make some people happy. The Last of Us multiplayer game is still coming. Like someone out there must want it. It feels like most people don't care. There are people that got really into factions. Yeah, so I just don't know if it's. I don't know if the amount of people who are interested in that is going to equate to the amount of effort and money and time it it took to make it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but I guess that's any game. Yeah, in the end. Yeah. So there you go. That's our housekeeping for Game Face episode 365. We're about to kick off the show proper, and we have five games to talk about today. It's going to be fast. That's all I got to say. How much time we got? Oh, we're okay. We got five games to talk about today. Before we do that, here's a word from our sponsor, L.S. Cream. L.S. Cream is a fine cream liqueur created by fellow gamer and sifter, Stevens Charles. It's inspired by an ancestral recipe from Haiti called Cray Mass, and a double gold winner for its original taste at the New York Wine and Spirit International Competition. Ellis Cream can be enjoyed on the rocks or as a mixer for drinks with its rich blend of fresh cream and neutral grain spirits with notes of coconut, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. It's great in coffee or to make espresso martinis. To learn more, discover amazing drink recipes, or to track down your own bottle using a handy store locator, head to creamls.com sifted. That's creamls.com sifted. So undoubtedly, Cray Mass has become a meme. It's become mm -hmm. a sifted meme. You guys have turned it into a meme. You guys I'm, waiting for, <laughs> I'm waiting for somebody to do like a, the cutout of Steve's head saying Cray, Cray Mass. Mass with a little word text yeah. bubble. <laughs> it's awesome. I love that you guys have done that. Um, and I'm sure Steve loves it too because that's the type of stuff that shows that um, the marketing that they're doing with, with us is endearing you guys to the product. And that's exactly what you want. And that should definitely make Steve really happy. Um, as the ad says, go to creamls.com slash sifted. Try to use that URL if you can. If you head to their website, it's got everything that you need there. It will give you a store locator in your neighborhood. You can figure out where you can walk to get yourself a bottle. There's a store locator for online retail where it can help you order stuff to have delivered to you or to a friend if you want to send a friend a bottle. Everything's right there. Great drink recipes. Steve is an awesome dude. You guys see him in our chat all the time. He's dropping you guys, giving you guys subs in our chat every week. Support your fellow gamers. Support your fellow sifters. Support LS Cream at creamls.com slash sifted. And with that, it's time to kick off the show proper, and I get to use one of the two lower thirds that actually made it onto the hard drive today. We're gonna kick off the show talking about the campaign in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Matt, this is- a Campaign that's shorter than this show. It's apparently. not. It's not that short. I guess maybe the first thing so I People have beaten it in less than three hours. Really? Yep. I don't know how that's possible. Average time completion is five. Yeah, that's about how but long it three, took me. A speedrunner could easily do it in three. I guess if you didn't watch the cutscenes, yeah. there aren't. The thing about it is there aren't that many cutscenes. <laughs> I completely gave up on um, the idea of playing this when I saw the people's reactions to the campaign. That a, it was so short, and b, they hated it. Well, the first um, thing I'm here to say is that I think the general overarching opinion of the campaign is a little overwrought. I don't think it's as bad as people are saying. Like, it's not a five out of 10 is what I'm getting at. I don't know, using multiplayer maps for single player stuff is a pretty big red flag. I don't see, but 
even if that's Battlefield true, used to do that and it was yeah. terrible. Even if that's true, which I'm not 100% sure that it is. It is. They were comparing them. Uh, I, I think it, they're this, they're kind of the same, but they're not exactly the same. Well, you tweak them a little bit, but they're still... I mean, they're I mean, tile sets. Compare, com, not tile sets. They're actually terrain is the same. The problem is that most usually... I mean, there's usually similar environments. Like, there's certainly in the old games, like, you know, a lot of the multiplayer maps were taken inspiration from areas campaign you'd be areas, in in yeah. the campaign. But they weren't the same place. Yeah. And apparently that is kind of what's happening here. And... Which is weird because normally, even in the laziest COD campaigns, the single player stuff is pretty crafted, mm-hmm. you know. And that doesn't seem to be happening. People were like, "That was the big complaint I saw." Was like, "There's some like custom stuff in the beginning and the end, and the middle is just sort of like running around doing what's almost just like like general SWAT stuff." No, the second and third missions are the open world missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me let me just rewind here. Um, first of all, I don't really care if they lifted the terrain directly from a multiplayer map if the single player mission is great i don't care that they copied and pasted Mm. if it's good right but apparently it is but it's not you're right it's not um and part of the reason for that is probably that they were just sort of plopping single player content onto a map and not designing it around what they thought the single player mission should be i think the problem is that they've never really done open world missions before that is a problem and they just didn't really know how to do it and make it fun so well, well it's also a, kind of a weird thing to put in this series like that's not what cod is the closest thing we've had to it in call of duty was in black ops 2 there were a couple missions mm. in there that were kind of open-ended and open areas like at most i think you'd want to do something that was sort of like a god of war style thing mm-hmm. smallish but open-ish places where you have different things to go do in locations yeah these open world missions they really do just plop you down into a big open area and then they just load it up with like weapon loadouts weapons kill streaks gadgets there's mm-hmm. just stuff everywhere like i walked around one mission matt carrying a turret <laughs> so i would just put it down it would wipe out everybody in the area i'd pick it up i'd walk with it another hundred yards i'd put it back down and i'll be honest with you that was kind of fun it's a different way to play call of duty it like they overload it though the, the real problem for me with the open world missions in this is that they were just way too easy they gave you like the whole kit and caboodle like the best kill streaks like the best armaments the best guns and then you just go out and just slaughter basically like they just there's no tension in any of them like the first one that you play is like in the shipping yard it is literally just flat ground with a bunch of shipping containers that's it like, that's the whole environment. Is shipping containers loaded up with these caches of weapons and grenades and kill streaks and things like that? I'll say this it is like an open playground that you can fiddle around with. There's also vehicles, by the way, in these missions, which you don't typically get in Call of Duty campaigns. If there's a vehicle, somebody else is piling it, piloting it, and you're usually just along for the ride. In this, there's just ATVs and trucks and stuff like that just plop down in the middle of these kind of open campaign missions so to your point the big new feature for the campaign in fact was the open world missions and also to your point they are not handled for particularly well which i could see which would sour why it would sour people on the game but i would also argue that like the more curated more linear missions in this just aren't really great either matt like there's no moments in this that i really remember where i'm like oh remember when the whole world was 
crumbling down all around me and I was running as fast as I could and I barely got out of this hole in the wall before it collapsed. Like, there aren't moments like that in this. It's very subdued for some reason. They try to place an emphasis on the all-stars of Call of Duty, basically. So you have Task Force 141 with Soap McTavish and John Price and Ghost, and they're now, like, the crew for Call of mm -hmm. Duty campaigns. Well, I, I also saw the, like, one of the, one of the you know, pivotal moments with Soap that is the you know, same, same as the one from the old, old one. The old one had actual emotion in it, and this is Price is just sort of like, eh. <laughs> what I, a I, weird... I'll talk about the ending in a minute. But what a weird set of the, the Modern Warfare Three curse continues apparently. Yeah, because I didn't like the original three much mm -hmm. either. I liked it. I don't remember but it was, much at of, the time. It was the third best of the three. Right, but out. also like you talk about like not remember. I don't remember anything about Modern Warfare Three. I mm -hmm. remember. I think I, I remember the submarine thing at the beginning. That's about it. Like, yeah. I, I, in comparison to one and two, which I would put among the best campaigns in first person shooterdom. Mm -hmm. uh, not, they're, they're no Titanfall two, but they're good. I remember tons of stuff from Modern Warfare one and two. Like, yeah. So here you're saying and even Black of, Ops, but Modern Warfare yeah. three, yeah, just like you're saying here, was a, a just a dead fish. Well, here's here you're seeing one of the open missions, and they almost always give you drones so you can go up and you can tag enemies so you know where all the enemies are. Like, there's just and you saw right before this, you saw the big weapon cache that I came across. Literally, those are like every fifty yards. So it's like pick whatever you want and just go crazy. Like. It's weird because it's like Destiny already kind of figured out this sort of mm -hmm. style of gameplay. Yeah. No, you're right. But you'd have to complete... First of all, if you were to do a game like that, it wouldn't have come out this year. I mean, another thing, too, is this game was not supposed to come out this year. There was supposed to not be a brand new entry in Call of Duty this year. And they started working on this as an expansion to Modern Warfare 2. And then they realized, hey, we can do a little more work on this and sell it as a full-price game again. And so that's what they've done. This story is a direct continuation mm -hmm. of Modern Warfare, the Modern Warfare 2 reboot. And I believe that they've basically... Here's what I think, Matt. I think that they have rebooted this franchise so that they can keep these characters front and center. Because mm -hmm. let's be honest... When the you only think characters called, they have. Right. That's all they got. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of nameless, faceless military dudes. Mm -hmm. And so... I mean, I know they tried to create some characters in Black Ops, but nobody seemed to remember no one them, cared. really. Yeah. They didn't stick. Because the at least the first two follow that same guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like through the years yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yep. I don't remember his name, but Yep. Um and so the game begins with you breaking Makarov out of prison. <laughs> this game is the king of making you do stuff you don't want to do. So the game starts, you're a you play as a bad guy to start the game. Like mm -hmm. you don't realize it at first, like you may have if you cheated and looked online for the plot synopsis. I didn't, because I don't do that. So I was surprised to find out that the first mission you're saving Makarov. You're breaking him out of the gulag. He has been in this crazy prison. And you break him out. So this that's just the first time the game makes you do stuff that you're not really particularly interested in doing. That sounds familiar, though. I feel like that's been a thing they've done a couple of times. No Russian. I no mean, that's Russian, an example. Yeah. There's, two, there's two other scenes in this game where you may make you do stuff that you don't want to do. Now, one, they do give you a choice. There is kind of a ripoff of no Russian in this. It's not set in the prison. It's a different part of the game. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who might play it. But there is a section of this game that is like no Russian. And they actually give you a choice on who... Like, there's another part, like this prison break thing that we saw there. They give you a choice there whether you want to fight on the side of the prison guards or you want to fight on the side of the prisoners. And conceivably, that changes how you play through the level. I don't know. Then there's another section later on where you're at a stadium... 
And that's where the scene plays out that is very much like no Russian. So there's three, and then there's a scene on a plane that makes people do stuff that nobody wants to do. And I think you can fill in the blanks there mm-hmm. on what that is. Rescuing Price from the Gulag in Modern Warfare 2, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Of. Um, so they're, they're kind of, they're like, oh, we're mixing it up. You don't know. <laughs> it's like an alternate world. Hmm. But this, this, as you can see, just from these last 10 seconds of cutscenes, this game is like an all-star cast story. They've tried to squeeze all the characters that you care about into one plot, and it just... it Jokes just on them. I don't care about any of these people. You don't care about Makarov, even? No, I don't even remember who he is. He's, He's the bad guy, the right? Russian guy, yeah. Okay, I don't, I don't care. He's been, like, the only real bad guy in the series, basically. Yeah, I mean, there was the other guy whose arm got... Is that him, the guy got his arm? That's another that's, guy. No, that's a different guy. That's the other He Russian was, like, guy. the first bad guy, and then Makarov's Makarov... the guy behind him, right? right? Yeah. yeah, see, I don't remember... I don't care about yeah. any of this stuff. I remember Price, I remember Soap, I remember Ghost. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that's what most people realize, and that's... Remember, and that's why they rebooted this franchise to make sure that they're front and center in all the stories going forward. Mm-hmm. Um... So anyway, the plot really is that Makarov... Now I think about with Ghost is how ridiculous he looks with his eyeballs moving in that mask in the new version. Well, somebody even asked him in this game, like, why do you wear the mask? And he goes, die in my face. <laughs> okay, snake eyes. Yeah. Um, so really the plot of this game is Makarov has escaped. He's got a hold of a bunch of sarin gas and a bunch of missiles. He's going to end the world and you have to stop him before... It feels like the same plot of every Call of Duty campaign. Just swap out the bad guy who has the sarin gas. Like... Well, it's like there's only so much you can do to try and keep this kind of idea politically neutral enough to not make you feel like some kind of imperialist monster. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, what else can you do? Yeah. Like, you have to, like, simplify things down to cartoon levels, and but, like, they're trying to be as realistic as possible in terms of equipment and setting, and it's just really, it, 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 none of it really hangs together. It feels like a relic of, a, of, a, of another time at this point. This is the, another open That's world. That's why issue. Infinite Warfare was good because it took you away from all that. Mm-hmm. You didn't. You, you, yeah. There was no. You didn't have to really justify anything because, it's like, you know, I don't care how the nuance of Kit Harrington's political take on who should be in the moons of Uranus. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. And also, I noticed and nobody that, cared about that game, but you and I. Well, I noticed on Twitter <laughs> this this week. There's been like there was like an Infinite Warfare rehabilitation movement. There's like a bunch of people like like we didn't appreciate this game the way we should have, and like it was, it was a bunch of people was like, yeah, that game was actually awesome, and I didn't give it credit at the time, and I re- I'm gonna I replayed it, and it's actually really good now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just like, well, it's too late now, fuckers, isn't it? <laughs> Man, I went to look at that. I'm like, oh, I wonder what that would look like on my PC. I went to look at it on Steam. It's still sixty bucks. Yeah. 99 if you want the full pack i was like give me a break guys like (laughs) yeah so this is another of the open world missions and you can see it's just this like nuclear plant or whatever i don't again i don't know if i don't play warzone so i wouldn't even recognize if these maps were pulled from warzone honestly Mm -hmm. um but i i don't know there's a different kind of charm to these missions than the more linear straightforward curated ones um, they have a different energy, a different spirit to them, and I kind of enjoyed them. They're not great, but I didn't think that they were terrible or that it like ruined Call of Duty or whatever. I don't know. I found like there were like this, like helicopter shows up. I'm like, what's that dude doing? Oh, I'm gonna shoot it. Oh, <laughs> like it's alive, and now they're gonna start attacking me out of the helicopter. Like this stuff didn't happen in old Call of Duty missions. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't. Well, so, it was all scripted. If it did, yeah, it just feels way more organic and alive than <laughs> Call of Duty campaigns have in the past. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm going to die. I'm getting out of here. That's awful. That looked ridiculous. (laughs) Um, And the other thing I'll say, too, is I feel like at times... You're really unpacking a bunch of shit. Yeah. Well, no, so that's another thing. In the campaign, you have um, armor plates. 
And like as you play, you unlock more armor plates that you can replace. And so what I was doing there was I had been shot and my armor plates had been destroyed. I was replacing them in my armor, basically. Mm. I was replacing the plates. But here you can see, here's here I am walking around the environment with the turret and just waiting for those guys to show up. I'm like, hey, everybody. That was nice of him to wait until you turned around. Yeah, exactly. Put the turret down and they just start. I, I don't know. I had some fun in this. And as you can see there, I now I have a stealth bomber. Like you, you get to use like kill streaks that maybe some people are never good enough at multiplayer to ever get to use them. Like you get to use them in this campaign, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, so. I don't know. Uh, they There are times in this where I felt like they were trying to soften Makarov, like make you feel sympathetic towards him. That also bothered me. I'm like, why are you trying to both sides this guy? He's got sarin gas. Like, mm. what are you doing? Like, I mean, so do we. But <laughs> no, I'm saying like in the game, he has sarin gas. He's about to kill right. everybody. And in the game, they're trying to say, he's not so bad. Like, no, he's awful. Well, like, they're trying to do the thing where, you, you know, the, the villain has a point, even though you... So right. Want to stop him. Right. You know, like the Killmonger thing. Right. It's like, yeah, Killmonger ain't wrong. He's just, but, you know. It's the way he goes about yeah. solving the problem that's less the problem. But, is like, it? yeah, Makarov seems like, unless you very strongly change the premise of who he is and what he wants, it's yeah. kind of hard to sympathize with him. And then there's other scenes, too, where I was kind of like, what? So, for example, there's one scene where. Trying to explain this. So the scene I was talking about earlier that happens on the plane that they make you do that you're probably not going to want to do, you do something bad in that. And then to make up for it and to cover for it, the game asks you to do something else that's terrible, which is wiping the black box from the flight so that nobody will know what happened on the flight. Like, I don't know. It, it feels like the moral compass of this game is a little bit off. I mean, you're murdering people the whole time, so I don't really think that the moral compass matters. Well, if much. they're trying to kill the whole world with sarin gas and nukes, like, I don't know. I don't feel that bad about doing that. Like, they're yeah, trying to end the world. Yeah, that's what you're told. Yeah. Well, like, this game never goes deep enough for you to think that what you're told isn't true. Mm. <laughs> um, so anyway. Captain Price always tells the truth. Yeah. So when you get when you do get to like the more curated levels, like there aren't as many set pieces as you would expect from typical Call of Duty games. It's really more of a straightforward forward experience. Like I can't think of like many iconic moments or moments where I'm just like in awe of what's happening around me. Like I just there aren't many of those in the campaign. There's not even like a crazy chase sequence, which is in every Call of Duty or in every yeah. action game. Like, they don't even do that. And I'll admit... Well, that takes time. Well, the other thing, too, is the Modern really Warfare 2 like chase sequence was a nightmare. It, it was, was awful. Where you're well, like, this also really seems like a rush job. It does. To yep. justify not having to be DLC. I imagine it's short because they basically crammed another open world thing in there yeah. to call it a campaign length, and yeah. that's there's, it. There's no chase sequence. There isn't even a dedicated sniper mission in this, Matt, which every Call of Duty ever has had. Yeah, you can use a sniper rifle if you want to. Even the space one did that. Yeah, but there isn't one in this. It's really weird. Like, the best mission, the one I remember the most, is an AC-130 bombing run, which, again, I've done a billion times, but it's still fun, and so that's the one thing that I remember the most of the campaign mm. missions in this game. I'm surprised nobody ever made a game that was just that. Right. It would be fun. There's mobile games that are just that. Right. Uh, I have a mobile game that's AC-130 versus zombies. Oh, really? That would be fun. It's like you're defending a, a, a bunker against zombies attacking with an AC-130. Yeah. Which is, it is fun. Yeah. But it's like, I just, that level was such a standout thing, even going all the way back to Modern Warfare 1, it's surprising to me that, like, nobody just made an AC-130 game. Yeah. Uh, there's there's hardly any stealth in the game, but you're constantly using night vision goggles? Like, figure that one out? 
Like, well, you gotta see. <laughs> it's funny though. Like usually those go hand in hand with stealth missions. Not the case in this. There's no stealth missions. And then there was like a couple scenes where I was just like, "What the heck is going on?" Where like you and Task Force One Forty One are talking to each other through the earpieces, and the people who are standing around you without earpieces are contributing to the conversation. Hmm. Just dumb leaps of logic like where they just didn't think it through again to your point probably because it was a rush job them trying to create a game that they could sell as a standalone game instead of just an expansion pack to modern warfare 2 so um and then to what you said earlier about soap i didn't even know if i wanted to talk about it but you brought it up already they do replicate that scene here um which in when it happened before was an emotional moment here Dude just runs into the room, commits the act, and runs out, and the game ends. <laughs> it is the worst ending to a game I don't I've seen in I don't know how long, Matt. Like they don't make endings to games as bad as this anymore. <laughs> and it ends on a huge cliffhanger, obviously ready for Modern Warfare 3 or 4, whatever comes next. And so here's the thing. Obviously, based upon the last however amount of time I've been talking about this game, you know that I'm not a huge fan of it. But still, it's not a 5 out of 10. Like, I feel like there's a lot of piling on going on here from people that saw one review where somebody really, like, I mean, as, murdered you, the game. What you describe sounds like a 5 out of 10 if you're using the whole scale. No, and I know we not. don't. It's not. It's like a 7, high 6, 7, or whatever. It's... You can see the B-roll. It's not incompetent. Sounds pretty incompetent. Five is incompetent. That sounds pretty incompetent. It's not, me. though. I mean, if you play it, it's not. I'll it, never play it. I mean, maybe I made a mistake <laughs> describing it then, because it's not like that. It's not an incompetent game. It's just, it's lacking a spark, I guess is the best way I could put it. It's lacking the spark of creativity. I think they felt like, oh, these open missions are going to be all we need. And that'll be enough. It's a huge change for the series. People are going to latch on to that and concentrate on that instead of the other stuff. And they were wrong. It ended up not being the best part of the game. The best parts of the game still are the more curated parts of the game. Um, the more linear parts of the game. Which, you know, I think there's promise here. Like, I think if they actually thought about it and spent two years working on this more open-ended missions, they might end up being okay. Um, but here they just don't work very well, unfortunately. Um, so... Here's the thing, though. If you're one of those people who doesn't care about multiplayer or zombies, and we'll talk about those probably in next week's episode. Definitely zombies. I've already kind of talked about multiplayer because I was in the beta. We'll definitely talk about zombies in next week's episode. But if you're a person who play, who buys this game just for the campaign, that's a big no this time. There's it. So people are saying it's really short. It took me like five hours to finish it. That's about how long Call of Duty campaigns are. So I don't know where this narrative is coming from that is crazy short. Like... It's about the same length as most Call of Duty campaigns. Yeah, Call of Duty campaigns are 8 to 10. No. Usually. Never. I can't remember the last Call of Duty campaign that got anywhere near uh, 8 to 10 hours. Up. What was the... What have been the last few? Well, the last one was Modern Warfare 2, and that was also 5 or 6 hours long. And then we had, what, Black Ops 4? That, that did, didn't, have, didn't a have a campaign at all. Yeah. Yep. So I didn't find the length of it. And maybe part of it, too, is that I was just ready to, for it to end when it ended. That yeah, could how be... long did Beatless Modern Warfare 2 is uh, eight hours? For the last one? The the new one, the 2022 one. Yeah. I mean, I finished it way less time than that. 
Like main story eight hours, main plus sides ten and a half, completion is twenty four. Although that's getting, that's getting literally every <laughs> oh single God. thing. I couldn't no imagine way. playing that campaign for twenty four hours. Yeah, I know that oh might actually be. I don't know if that's including uh, multiplayer, but the campaign is listed as eight hours. Yeah, even at eight hours, I would never tell you to buy a game for seventy dollars. I for... mean, that's about as long as I'd want it to be. Yeah, for any shooter, really. Like that's about as long as shooting campaign should be. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't honestly, I didn't really, I didn't finish this game, and I was like, oh dang, that was like way too short. I didn't feel that way at all. There is another game that I played that we're going to talk about in a bit that I did feel that way about, only because I was enjoying it so much, I was disappointed when it ended. But this one, yeah. the five hours, like. I felt like it was pretty much perfect for what was being offered. Black Ops 3, nine hours. Uh, if you strive to see all aspects of the game, including multiplayer, you're likely to spend around <laughs> 79 hours. Wait, spend more than, how do they even calculate how long you're going to play multiplayer? People report their time. <laughs> but so the 79 hours, like... people, It's an average of people oh. who said, I, I, t- I have 100% completion, here's my save time. Gotcha. And they kind of average out everybody. What website is that? Time to beat. No, I've been I've been on that website before. Which is pretty usually pretty accurate. What's Infinite Warfare? AJ the Legend asks, um, "Do you believe the devs who work on this franchise are finally getting burnout and ready to move on?" Well, here's the thing: there's Most of the like people haven't been doing it that long. Those t- teams have turned over probably three yeah. separate times. There's like four different teams that work on these games, so they should not be getting tired of it. <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, there's turnover on those teams. A lot of people who work on Call of Duty end up getting much higher paying jobs working on games that other development studios, because uh, they figure once you've worked on a Call of Duty and you've cranked that out in a year's time, you probably know what you're doing. Um, so the truth is, like most of these people either have left at this point, like uh, we didn't mention on Game Face, but Vanderhaar, who's the head of like Call of Duty multiplayer, he left like three or four months ago. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. But most of those people have now moved on. You got Youngblood working on it, or you just have four or five different teams working on the game. So, no, I don't think that their burnout really has anything to do with it. Um, yeah. Most, most says, of the COD, especially the old ones, seem to be six to seven hours. Yeah. Then they, they jumped up to, to nine for a while, and now I guess they're going back down again. Yeah. But Again, as someone who's played every Call of Duty campaign... Uh, I didn't find it to be... I didn't notice it as short. I was like, that seems about right to me. So, But again, a lot goes into that. It's like, how much fun are you having with the game? Did you want it to end? Did you need it to end? All that stuff plays into it. Um, AJ also asked, do you believe Activision would ever put the single-player content for every Call of Duty into a single disc, like a story collection? Yeah. I mean... Never. Well, I, I think the thing is, is that... First of all, they're breaking the games up now. Like you install the campaign separately from, so they're already right. discrete pieces. But they'll of never, code. they'll never do that because they want you to have to buy the multiplayer to even get in. What I was getting that, at, the closest I can see pass. that maybe a year. I don't think they even do that. Maybe if, if they want you to have to spend that money. I think they're going to put I think, the campaigns up separately on Game Pass. I would like that, but that seems too. I mean, I guess Activision. They're is already there. Shots they may not all of like, them, but like they started doing that. What four entries ago? Where they're separate, discrete files that play right. on their own. That doesn't mean they're gonna release them. So I think from then on, like they'll have just the campaign up on Game Pass. I will be shocked if they do. How that. come? Because it's more lucrative to just charge people if they want to touch the call. No, it's on Game Pass though. Right. It does that doesn't matter? It it does matter though. You want it to be convenient as possible to get more people to subscribe. Well, people don't that, have but, to but slough not, through and download the do, whole thing. But they're not doing that on the other platforms. No, I'm just saying only on Game Pass. They would make the campaigns downloadable separately. 
Well, yeah, because they're separate installs, I guess. Because right. otherwise you're installing 200 gigs right. of bullshit. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. You want to make it as easy as possible, as consumer-friendly as possible. But they would never repackage the campaigns into their own And sell skew. it, no. No, like, but I think be... it would happen on Game Pass. I think you'll be able to play the campaigns without having to download the whole 200 gigabyte Yeah, well, you thing. can already do that if you buy it. You can. Nope. So I, so I, want, I was hoping I could do that. Nope. When I downloaded the campaign for this, it made me download the whole mm. damn suite. 180 gigs or whatever. Well, that's because if you download the campaign separately, it's only 30 gigs. Yeah. <laughs> so short. <laughs> I don't um, even think it'd be 30 gigs, honestly. Um, but they, but have, they've done separate before. Separate what? Campaign and multiplayer. I had that on a couple of things. It's files, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. The last four entries have done that. That's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. And so I think on Game Pass, the last four and any going forward, you'll be able to just download the campaign and play it. Selling it as a package, I don't see that happening. Because there's too much money to yeah, be made. I think that'll be on the same like entry you click, though. I don't think there's going to be like a separate campaign and multiplayer game pass window kind of thing. Um, the Abram says, people. just in Nintendo is making a live-action Zelda movie. Mm-hmm. Sony Pictures and Nintendo co-financed. Why? I'm surprised they didn't just go with Universal again. Uh, well, if they want to make live-action, you don't go with Universal for that. Okay, that makes sense. They already have a relationship with Sony because of... Uh, yeah. That's interesting. It's interesting. I knew I knew there was a live action Zelda thing flying around town. I didn't know it was with Sony. That's mm. or maybe they just signed it. Maybe I. Oh, well, I guess that's. I was about to say that Sony would be my last pick if I wanted to work. With <laughs> I think a major most studio. people would say that. Yeah, but actually, Warner Brothers might yeah. be up there too. It's, it's, that's a, that's actually a that's actually a five sided <laughs> coin flip at this point. Splitting um, hairs for the worst. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, uh, one of the thing that I want to complain about with um, Modern Warfare Three is for all the in-engine cutscenes, there is a white dot in the middle of the screen, like the aim dot. Hmm. During the cutscenes, they do not turn off the aim dot. It is in the center of the screen for all the cutscenes. It's so dumb. And then, as I said, the ending is just is brutally ar- abrupt and absurd. Like they totally end. It's like the cheapest way to create a cliffhanger so that you are stay tuned in for the next game. I thought that was really disappointing that's, as well. That's true. Rabalisk makes a good point. The campaign and the multiplayer share so many map textures, they're probably not... They probably would make no sense to split them up. Yeah. But, I mean, they do eventually. But like, it's they're so separate huge. files. Yeah. Like, dedicating that much space, on a, especially on a PS5, to this game. Yeah. Ridiculous. It is. Yep, on that small hard drive. So uh, Oddly, the longest single-player content in the history of the franchise is Black, Black Ops 4. 4? Because it's not a campaign, it's just single player missions you can uh, do. But to complete them all is ten and a half hours. <laughs> That's hilarious. The longest the longest actual campaign is Black Ops three. I thought it was two. Nine hours. I thought two was like twelve hours for some reason. No. So I remember I played it at the review event and I remember like they gave us a whole day and like I played from like eight AM until like almost ten PM at night before I finished it. Black Ops two is seven hours. Interesting. It is the seventh longest longest campaign. Weird. Interesting. Okay. The shortest being, but not including this one because this this article is too old for that. No. The shortest being Black Ops Cold War, which is five and a half hours. Yeah. So anyway, I guess what I would say ultimately is, do not buy Modern Warfare Three just for the campaign. If there's but any of you left out there that yeah. would do that, <laughs> um, if you are somebody who likes zombies and likes the multiplayer in Call of Duty. I think you'll play the campaign and you'll enjoy it just fine. I think you'll be like me. You'll be like, why are people freaking out over this? Like, it's not great, but it's not like terrible either. Um, so it's a, I, I guess the way I view it is it's a nice add-on, a nice bonus for people who already want to play the multiplayer or the zombies. And don't forget, zombies also went open world for this version. 
So I'm actually very excited to check that out. Also a little bit scared now, yeah, having played the campaign. That doesn't sound like a plus, really, after this. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll talk about that on next week's episode. It seems like open world would be would lend itself better to the zombie idea. Yeah. But who knows what they're going to do. I mean, I hope that there's, like, vehicles. And you can, like, run over, like, mow down, like, zombies with, like, your a van or I don't oh, know. You're getting ambitious now. I know. Or, like, straight out of Dawn of the Dead, chop off zombies' heads with, like, the helicopter blades on your choppers. Now and you're, like you're off in crazy town. <laughs> Like there's not that much effort isn't happening on this this one. Yeah. So maybe anyway, one day. I guess I would say like again, it appears that Call of Duty is only a buy or may only be a buy. I don't know yet. May only be a buy for people who are really into multiplayer and really into zombies. But we'll see. We'll talk about those two elements of the game in next week's episode. Uh, next up, we're gonna talk about a Switch exclusive, and that Switch exclusive is WarioWare Move It. Matt, it's only been two years since they released WarioWare Get It Together. Which, if I remember correctly, I felt was one of the worst WarioWare games ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt like it had kind of lost the spark that had made it so memorable in the past. And I mean, a lot of it really does come down to like how creative are the people making the mini games? Do they have a good writer? Do they have a, like maybe a comedian working on the stuff with them? Because to me, that's what WarioWare is all about. These five second micro games where you see them you have to register it very quickly and then figure out what to do and sometimes you figure it out and sometimes you don't and i think half of the fun is really failing um i realized while i was playing this that if you just had like an iso camera on me not even seeing what the game is doing and you get one of those games where it flashes up and you don't know what to do and very quickly your brain tries to like (laughs) it's very funny how at least how Mm. i react it's like this panic of like, try everything in like half a second. Like, it's very funny. And also, I will say that this is the first time playing this. was the first time that my wife laughed at me playing video games in years. Because hmm. there's like, it's all motion controlled. And some of them are crazy. Like, one of them is like, you hike a football between your legs. And she walked into the room just as I was doing <laughs> that in front of the TV. I'm sure it was hilarious. Um, but anyway, what I was getting at is that I feel like the spark is back in this one. There are some mini games that literally made me laugh out loud. Like there is one where it just has like a person standing on a dock and they're standing on the dock and fish are jumping between their legs and you have to squeeze your legs and catch the fish. Like it's just, you know, it's WarioWare. Like, yeah, but WarioWare to me is like, you know, like, agility based like mini games with buttons oh. not like well now it's with motion, motion control crap I, i've never I, i've never liked the jump to that for this series it's it's not something i'm interested in well in get it together i, I miss when they were video games basically. yeah when, well get it together the motion controls were abysmal mm-hmm. like they didn't work and they kind of broke the game honestly now they i would yeah now i will say the problems aren't completely gone in move it but they're better. And I will say this too. All the features that we saw when they unveiled the Joy-Con for the first time and we were like, wow. And then like none of that stuff ever happened. It all happens here. Like Matt, this even uses the IR camera on the Joy-Con, which most people I think don't even realize is there. Hmm. It uses the camera. You, you point it at your hand and do hand gestures into the IR camera and it can pick up the hand gestures. Like that's some of the micro games that you play in this. Um, so I felt like one, it makes much better use of the Joy-Con functionality than it did before. And not only that, just the base motion controls work way better in this than they did in the last game. 
Now, they're not perfect. There are definitely mini games, micro games that I failed in this because the motion controls just weren't good enough and it just didn't register the stuff quick enough or accurately enough. And it is frustrating. But here's the thing. It's very hard to become frustrated with this game because there's no fail state. So if you run out of lives or tries when you're going through a series of micro games, all that happens is they send you to a screen where you strike a pose and they let you start all over with a whole new set of lives. And so there's really not much consequence to this game as far as like winning or losing. Like no matter what, you're gonna get more lives, you're gonna be able to try it again. And not only that, they don't even make you start the set of micro games over. After you strike the pose, you go back with a new set of lives and you pick up at the same exact micro game that you last failed. Wario has the exact same reaction I do to the Joy-Cons. What? Oh, his face. very angry and threw them across the room. Um, well, the plot of this game, is, if it matters, is that Wario won a free vacation to an island paradise and for him and all his friends, and he takes everybody there. And then once you get there, all the usual suspects, Ashley, Orbulon, Young Cricket, Nine Volt. Why they, does he have friends? I don't know, because he's such a jerk and yeah. a douche. Because he's rich, I think? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> They're using him, I think, for his money. I don't know. Is he even rich? He's poor, I think. He's always he trying to get rich. Yeah, he loses all the money by the end of the games, really. Yeah. It seems like that's how it always works out. Um, so anyway, you have the usual characters that you know from this franchise, and they all have their own set of games. Um, and the way the game works is is that you have these poses that you have to learn. So when a set of micro games starts, they'll show you. So choo-choo right there. I cut it out, but they have these long-winded explanations that tell you like how to use the pose. And then there's a second paragraph of definition that's just supposed to be funny that's not funny. And you have to sit there and listen for another like 20 seconds to this inane copy that they wrote for the game. But anyway, every time you use a form for the first time, they teach you how to use it. And then after that, you just get that very quick window that pops up that says, now you're gonna use choo-choo, now you're gonna use night sword or whatever. There's like 20 different poses in the game. Um, and it's very specific. Like you have to make sure that like your dominant hand is on top if you're holding them like a sword. Like you have, it's very specific how you use the different forms. So when you first start, you know, each set of micro games teaches you like three different forms, roughly two or three different forms. So when you first start, there's only a handful of forms that you're using. By the time you get to the end of the game, you're using all 20 forms and you have no idea which one's going to pop up. Um, and like some of them require that you put the Joy-Con like on a flat surface. And so you're constantly like putting the Joy-Cons down, picking the Joy-Cons up, picking them up and then getting into the sword pose. It's like, it's very frantic. Like my heart rate actually got pretty high playing this, which was not the case with Get It Together. Like the pace of this is enough that it gets your heart rate going. Like if you're actually playing the games and as fast as they send them to you, you're not hitting pause. Um, there's a little bit of exercise that you can get out of this. Not much. You're not going to lose weight playing this game, but it does get your heart rate going a little bit at least. Um, the other thing too is that there's, so there's 200 micro games in the game total, which seems like a lot, but each one of them are like five seconds. So that number seems small very quickly. And as usual, the draw of the game is the wacky things that it asks you to do, but each one only lasts five seconds, so once you've played it once or twice, it's no longer really funny or fun. It's the same thing we've been dealing with with WarioWare since it was first unveiled. Um, it's very fun the first time you play it, 
not as fun in repeated playthroughs. Each mini game, like there are some micro games in this, you will have no idea what to do the first time you play them. So there are some where like the there is value in playing it the third or the fourth time. But once you learn how to get through all the micro games, they've kind of lost all their charm, unfortunately. But the good news is there is tons of extra content after you finish the campaign in this, like crazy, weird multiplayer modes. Um, the other thing I would say, too, is, and I had to do this myself, is pull out the, your Joy-Con straps. You have to have them. Some of the forms are letting the Joy-Con dangle from your wrists. Huh. And so if you don't have the straps and you don't have those things attached to your Joy-Con that have the straps on them, you can't even complete some of the minigames at all. Same thing with, like, when you use the IR camera for some of them. Like, you have to, the IR camera is, like, has to be dangling. You have to put it in your other hand and then shine it on your hand. So you need those things. Some of you guys may have lost them. Like I had to really dig around to find where I had put mine. I had completely forgotten. Uh, but you need them. You need to find them. Yeah, um, I don't know where mine are. Yeah. Because it's been, I haven't used it handheld in forever. Right. They haven't been detached mm -hmm. ever. I think a lot of maybe? people maybe wonder or wonder where those are. You need them for this game. Just something to keep in mind if you don't know where your, yours are. Uh, but anyway, you get, once you get through the main campaign, which literally took me like two hours to play through the whole campaign in this. So there's another case of like the money spent per the hours of entertainment, that quotient doesn't work out so well. Um, but again, there are crazy multiplayer modes to play after this. Um, there's a party mode where you choose from 20 different characters from the franchise, and then you assume forms and played like a weird, like motion controlled board game. It's almost like a Mario Party, um, but you play it with motion controls. And there's a couple micro games that play like Mario Party as well in this. Uh, but you can play that with up to four players. Um, there's also like a squid game like boss fight with Medusa that you play head to head against somebody else. And it's like why I say it's like squid game is because it's the Medusa. When she turns to look at you, you have to stop. And then when she turns her back to you, you run towards her. And the first person to get to Medusa wins. Hmm. But in the between, you're like having these weird like fights with micro games. It's bizarre. Um there's also another mode called Mega Micro or Mega Game Muscles, where you do reps of micro games. It's supposed to be like the fitness mode or whatever, and it basically is just firing off micro games like machine gun fire, like 20 in a row in like two minutes or whatever. And that's supposed to get your heart rate up. Then there's three different two-player modes that unlock after you complete the campaign. So there, and those are all weird, crazy modes that are just like. It, a lot of thought went into the extra content in this instead of the main content, hmm. which is a little weird. But it's kind of understandable because, you know, again, I finished the main campaign in two hours. So they're like, what are people going to spend the most time with in this game overall? It is going to be the multiplayer modes if they latch onto them. So I guess in some weird way, it kind of makes sense. I don't know. Um, and that's it. That's pretty much the bulk of Wario where move it. Um, again, I think it is sort of a case study on the Joy-Con um, that they can work in some situations pretty well. But again, it also proves to you that like even in a game that focuses 100% on Joy-Con motion controls, there are still issues. So I don't know if Nintendo has found a new way to make this tech work with the next Switch so that the motion controls are more reliable than they are. I don't know. How dare you not roast the banana? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, but uh, this game I had fun with, but it lasted two hours. It's funny. Like, there's fun. Mm -hmm. Again, the spark is kind of back in this. Like, I didn't laugh hardly at all at WarioWare Move It. Or, I'm sorry, Get It Together. 
But this, I laughed over and over. Even my wife, who was sitting with her back turned to the game, kept turning around every once in a while and be like, what is going on over there? And she'd look at the screen and she'd be like, what is going on over there? This is the most weird thing I've ever seen. Even just listening to the audio, she was like, this is one of the weirdest games you've ever played. Just hearing the audio of the game. Because, you know, they give you, like, the one-word instruction for every micro game. Pull, push, uh-huh. grab, burn, clog, whatever. And so she was only Ooh. hearing that stuff. Like, <laughs> So I do feel like the Creative Spark is back. But to me, these games need to sell for, like, $20, $25. Like, selling them for, like, $50, $40 bu- is too much. It's a two-hour game. And, again, like I said, once you've learned the micro games, you've pretty much squeezed all the enjoyment out of it. If you have kids... I think they probably will enjoy the multiplayer stuff. Uh, my wife and I, we didn't enjoy playing it all that much. Part of it was that she didn't get a lot of it. And it was hard for her to understand it. Um, but even as someone who did get it and did understand it, like I didn't find them to be all that engaging, but they will give the game at least some legs. So there you go. That's WarioWare Move It. It is a Switch exclusive, unsurprisingly. And again, it is very heavy on the motion controls, and you'll have to dig out the straps for your Joy-Con if you don't know where they are, which I didn't know where mine were. I did finally find them. And again, you need it, like because they'll just throw a micro game in there where you need to let the Joy-Con dangle from your wrist, and if you don't have the, the straps, you can't complete the micro game. So definitely a requirement, but... To me, this series is just way overpriced. Even though it does provide a different kind of entertainment from a lot of video games, um, it's not so much different that I'm willing to spend like 50 bucks for two hours of fun. It's just, that's just too high of a quotient for me. Do you have any questions, Matt? Nope. No? Pretty self-explanatory. AJ the Legend asked, was I able to get my wife to play this? Yeah, she did. She Again, she was like, that is weird. That's weird. Crazy. And I was like, why don't you play it with me? And she's like, okay. She played like five micro games, failed three of them, and was like, I'm good, basically. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, we need to try these multiplayer modes. And she suffered along with me on the multiplayer modes for a while. Um, but to answer your question, is this a good family or friends party game if you had enough Joy-Cons? I think it would be. I think the average person who plays this will have a laugh at it. Um, so it might be worth the purchase to keep around the crib in case people come over and you want to have fun. Um, I could see that it'll get laughs. It made me laugh over and over again. Um, And I think people who don't know what this series is will probably laugh even harder at some of this stuff because my wife was like, what the heck is this? This is so weird. I've never seen a game like this before. Um, So I did enjoy my time with it. It just wasn't enough time. And for that much money, like I needed more fun than that. Like they need at least like 500 micro games per release. But when you're putting them out every two years... Here, by the way, are the descriptions I was talking about. So at first, they just tell you how the stuff works. And then the second paragraph is just them trying to be funny. And you're like, just get on with it. Because the other tenant of this franchise, Matt, is this breakneck pace. It's like micro game after micro game. And it's just like, go, go, go. You got to be on your toes. You got to think really quickly. And this just drags the whole thing down. Like watching these things. It's like, I get it. I'm letting the Joy-Con hang from my wrist. There's no way to skip them. There's no way to fast forward them. I just found them annoying. But... um Again, I did have fun with it. I did get a lot of laughs out of this game, just not enough to rationalize the full price tag for it. Um, Eve Demon says, if she thinks Wario is where is weird, you need to show her Katamari Damashi. I have. She doesn't think that's anywhere near as weird as this. And I don't think it is either. These games are weird. Like, what's that? Now you're, you're a penguin. <laughs> I don't know. The avant-garde nature of this franchise makes it unlike anything else, I think. 
It's like you flip the pancake. Oh, there's a face on the pancake. Like there's, I don't know how, who it is that works on all these micro games that manages to find an edge for each one of them, but they're pretty damn good at it. So, um, I liked it. If you could ever find it for cheap later on down the road, which we know almost never happens with Nintendo's first party games. Um, but if you do find it for cheaper on down the road, I do think it is a good choice if you have people over or if you have a bunch of young kids, they'll probably get a kick out of this and have a ton of fun with it and and the multiplayer modes where I think adults maybe the mileage won't be quite as extensive. But I did have fun with it. Um, but again, full price, not going to happen. Um, Time Zimmy says there's that Pigeon Rhythm Battle Royale game for something weird. I'm not familiar with that. I don't know. I do remember that one pigeon game, though. It was the pigeon dating sim. Yeah, that it was, was weird. Uh, what was that called? Um, had a full boyfriend. Had, had, had a full boyfriend, yeah. That was weird, for sure. Uh, but I think Time Zinni's talking about something else. Um, Vincent asks, now that the team has given us two WarioWares, can we have a new Rhythm Heaven? I would prefer at this point, I think, oh, I guess I'll put it to you this way. Rhythm Heaven is more worth the asking money than WarioWare is. I mean, you get a little bit more uh, time out of it. And Vincent says it's a Fall Guys game, but a rhythm game. Oh, he's talking about Headbangers Rhythm Royale. It's on Game Pass. Yeah. That also is a little weird, for sure. But anyway, there you go. That's WarioWare Move It. It's Switch exclusive. And now we have no more lower thirds for mm. the live show. <laughs> but next, we're going to talk about a game we discussed, what, about a month ago? Mm. It's been about a month, I think. So we talked about it. It's been like three weeks, maybe. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about RoboCop Rogue City. Now, if you remember, I did play the demo, which ended up being like three hours long or whatever. However, mm-hmm. I have not played the final version, but Matt has. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe what everybody wants to know, I think maybe people were surprised that we were so positive on the game in the first place when we talked about it last time, because I was. Mm-hmm. I was surprised how positive I was on the game. I think what most people are maybe wondering at this point is, does it hold? Does it stay exciting and engaging throughout the entire course of the game does it have new stuff in the game later on how's that all work out yeah i mean it's it's it 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 unfolds more or less the way you would expect uh one of these things to like you know you go to new locations um you have to solve new problems uh there's a lot of other enemy types uh, more than you would think uh they keep introducing new enemy types and then of course you add to a nine and like there's thing the, the stakes definitely go up as time goes on uh, the second major area you go to is actually not like the first major area. It's about the same size, I would say, but it's all hostile. What do you mean by all hostile? As in, it's like a, it's like we're, it's a bad guy location. So, so if you're out in the streets, there is no there's, street. Oh, there's a, no street. It's basically you're on, a, you're like a mill. Okay. And I believe it's actually the place he gets killed in RoboCop One. Oh. Uh, there's, there's a little flashback moment. Interesting. Um, so you're running around and you're trying to find where where these guys are hiding out. So like at different points, like they'll flood in from different places or like you'll open a door and suddenly there's guys in there and stuff so you're kind of being bounced around through the the area and like new areas open up and there's some places like there's like places where you can like find secrets or um yeah there's schematics you can find that tell you how to activate certain things in the train yard and that'll open new areas you can go to um so it still has that element of like oh there's things to find and stuff to do but it doesn't repeat itself in that regard like and then you will go back to the streets later on and you know you can issue more parking tickets or whatever you want but like <laughs> so wait, does that street area that was in the demo is that always there no okay so that was just like there it, just for those yeah. missions you can i think eventually go back i don't know if you can go back actually i think you should do they do tell you to get everything done before you before you leave 
Um, so the demo is basically just that area. Then you go back to the police station. There's a whole section there. Uh, you have to have a therapy session with the doctor, and your your choices there really determine how RoboCop sees himself, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah, psychology was one of the abilities that you can boost. Yeah, you can you can get an ability later in the game if you boost one of them up enough to that'll highlight the best choice in the dialogue for each oh, okay. interaction. Um, which I never bothered to get because I have other things to do. Um, but uh, yeah, like be and, alive. <laughs> yeah, and I will note that like this this dude doesn't really matter. Oh, he like, doesn't. He's, he's set up as a major thing, but he's not a major thing. Oh, the major thing is the the new guy oh. whose identity is revealed at the. Do end. they talk about through the whole demo right. the new guy <laughs> whose identity is revealed at the end of the streets section uh. when, you, when you finish the mission to find this guy? Oh, interesting. Um, and there's a he he is connected to the RoboCop mythos. Okay, um, if you want to call it that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so does the gameplay loop stay the same? You go out and do a mission, then you come back to the police station, you debrief, you do the psychology thing, you so far boost but, your abilities, and then you get in the car and drive to a new location. And sort of. I mean, you can you can always boost your abilities. Um, always, you can. Yeah. You don't have to. You have to do it at the police station. No. Okay. You can always spend the skill points. Okay. And then it does unlock um, when you go back to the station after the streets area. It unlocks. Uh, 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 basically programming boards for the aim nine pistol okay so you get these it's a it's a weird system so uh you those ocp containers sometimes you'll pick them up in the demo and that you'll be get oh 15 percent whatever like 13 percent you know pass bypass whatever and you're like what the hell is that like there's no you don't see it in the inventory thing so when you get the uh the programming boards for the aim nine pistol You'll start picking those up, and what it is is you can you have different ones you can install. There's a tutorial one, and then there's like other ones you find in the world, mm-hmm. and you can basically boost the aim nine to be more powerful. You can have it more stopping power, more pushback, more damage, faster reload, larger clip. Okay. Um, and the balance on this is, is like it's it's laid out like a like a like a not a grid, but like there's there's entry locations with like connector. Uh, wires and the um, uh, the things you picked up that say 15%, 12%, whatever, those are things you can plug into those nodes. And each there's different configurations of the things you pick up. Some are have two outputs, some have all four, some have three, you know, so it's, it's kind of like Tetris, but it's like four ends. Mm-hmm. And so those ends will pass power through those lines and so if you power up a node that has like a weapon damage icon you get more weapon damage the trick is there are other nodes that are minus five and minus ten percent and if you accidentally root power to them in your configuration you're losing ten percent ability on all your abilities oh wow so you have to basically get the right plugins that don't send power to the to the the areas where those negatives are where you but you can activate all the positive power-ups okay gotcha um and you can combine um you can combine them and like like uh randomly sort of like basically you sort of breed them like you take three you don't need put them together and you'll get like a random result that has like sort of a combination of their traits and might be a little more powerful mm-hmm. so that is a way to kind of if, you, if the pistol is felt a little under power which it doesn't like the pistol no the pistol good. was like my favorite weapon in this but the pi- but but now most people down but i've got like it powered up to like half you know 50 percent extra weapon damage so basically the things go down in one shot i bet um, very satisfying like yeah. aiming at like the upper chest Having the gun rise up to the head and getting that mm-hmm. snap, 
And then the, the, uh, the other thing is ripping turret. There, there's like impl- gun emplacement turrets. Ripping those off and carrying those around and using those as, as handheld weapons. Those are very strong, too. Yeah. I, I keep one of those in the back pocket as well. Um, and there's like, you know, um, you can get grenade launchers, rocket launch. Like you, you, the weapons do vary out a lot. There's a bunch of different enemies that show up even in that first like on that second that next open area like there's uh guys that call in reinforcements if oh. you don't kill them in time there's guys that like run at you with explosives and if you don't shoot the explosive and blow them up in time they suicide bomb you um you got guys with grenade launchers they're just launching triple grenades at you while everybody's i mean it, it does get harder it's intense um yeah. you do want to climb up the vitality uh bar a little bit and get some extra get the ability to carry more ocp repair kits mm-hmm. and get the ability to recharge him on the uh the, po- the power boxes mm-hmm. the, like you you life does become an issue uh so the game gets challenging area. eventually yeah i don't i haven't died yet but like they stop treating you with kid gloves and he's not invincible um, especially up against ex- high explosives there's like landmines in place like you, you'll yeah. end up like it's it, it you you end up in some surprising situations uh, that you were definitely like, Robocop was definitely not built to handle. Yeah, but uh, you can get through it. Um, and it, stay, it does stay pretty fun. It gets does get repetitive, I think, but the story is pretty interesting. The psychological examination of who he is and what he needs to decide about who he is psychologically is interesting and doesn't actually ignore the character development from Robocop 1 and 2, which is nice. Oh, that's which cool. Is, I mean, even is, in the demo, you got those vibes, though. Yeah. Because they start talking about how, like, the public can't trust him because they feel like he's glitching out or whatever. And yeah, I mean, they still have that. And, like, the glitching out is related to the new guy. Like, he, there's something going on that he has the ability to cause that, uh, and you don't know why. Interesting. Um, and there's a bunch of... like So there's that, and, and of course, you get to choose. Like, there's, you know, in the, in the therapy sessions and a couple other things, you get to decide, like whether you want to be called RoboCop or Alex Murphy no, or things like that. You know? And so they, they, they are, you know, delving into that more than I expected them to. Yeah. I never would have guessed this game would touch on that stuff at all. I mean, it is, I mean, you, <laughs> seriously, it is for, it, it remembers it, that RoboCop is a satire and it remembers that RoboCop is cyberpunk. Yeah. Like it, it you know, there, I mean, it's, it's a weird version of cyberpunk cause you're a cop, but in a weird way, that maybe only 1987 could have produced. <laughs> the cops are kind of punk because they're trying to do the right thing despite being owned by a megacorp. Right. You know, like yeah, OCP. They're rebelling, basically. OCP is the establishment. The Detroit PD kind of isn't because they're being hamstrung from doing the right thing and even helping people when they want to. Mm-hmm. So it's like a it's a it's a rare moment where I think making the cops like you know the good guys and and trying to do the right thing actually kind of sells it because OCP is so much worse. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's it's it, they they really get it. they really get the tone right. They really get there, there's even like a whole thing where like the the new uh, enemies you're fighting are the vultures and they're um, there's another gang. They're different, different several different gangs and the, these guys are bikers. And they run in run in with bikes and like bikes. Are a problem like and, motorcycles yeah wow but, but the cool thing is you can just grab them off the motorcycle oh really you just grab them off the motorcycle and throw them at the next guy <laughs> and they all blow up and like oh that's awesome you can pick the motorcycle up and throw it at the next oh, guy oh wow and then, and so there's a, the, the picking the grabbing and throwing really does keep 
stay a thing. Yeah. Through the whole through the whole situation, you can pick up. I wasn't these, doing that much. You can pick up the these demo. giant sledgehammers and just throw them at a guys and stuff. It's, it's, oh wow! The gore remains pretty st- pretty standard uh, through the whole thing. Standard by meaning by RoboCop standards. gratuitous. So, oh yeah, there's <laughs> blood, blood everywhere. Uh, you can shoot people in the dick and they will react accordingly. But the lower third um, for this did say it, it's a glitch. Yeah, <laughs> but unfortunately, you have to wait for the archive to see that. But yeah, the um, uh, there's actually an achievement for shooting a guy in the dick. Oh, really? Uh, and credit where credit is due. Uh, when you load up your the save from the demo does continue on oh, good. In the final game, and you get all the achievements you would have gotten. Oh, cool! From that they save. all pop they like all as pop. soon as you start. That's right? sweet. No, they all pop about ten minutes later. Oh, but they, but they did pop. <laughs> but they did. Yeah. So overall, like. Does it hold up? So we were really high on it after the demo. Does it yeah, maintain? Yeah, I, I haven't finished it, but it's still, it is, yeah, it's maintaining. That's like, great. it's still fun. Like, it's, it doesn't really get more than, you know, it doesn't add on more than, like, what you're seeing here to the, to a, on a baseline degree. Mm-hmm. But what you're trying to deal with changes to yeah. a, an admiral. I, I never, like, by the time I was halfway through the, this, the, the vulture section, I was like, this is really different from what I was doing in the streets because they are such different enemies. Mm-hmm. And they're not like, you know, it's not like you're fighting the difference between fighting like elites and grunts in Halo or something, uh, but or like the, you know, the, the, the Prometheans or whatever. It's mm-hmm. not that different. You're st- but like it, you have to use slightly different tactics and you feel more under threat as the game goes on. And then like you've got, you know. Early on in that section, there's there's people talking about how an Ed 209 is in the area, and you're like, oh shit, like mm-hmm. this is gonna be a problem. And sure enough, that is a problem. You know, you, you don't want to fight one fighting them, and like I wouldn't be surprised if they get into more cyborg stuff or something like hardware later on. We'll see, you know we'll see what they do. Mm-hmm. They've done a good job so far of kind of continuing to escalate it. Um, and it, you know, it, 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 this is actually again much like you know with the Call of Duty thing. It's like. You know, it seems like you jump from the police station to sort of uh, mildly open, largish areas where you have to complete a bunch of objectives. And sometimes it's more like kind of like go do side quests like the streets. And sometimes it's more this is a giant hostile area you have to navigate through, but there's secrets and things to find. Yeah. And that's a nice balance. Um, it's real good. Like it's like most most of the reviews are giving it kind of sevens and eights, and that feels about where it should land. This is, I mean, it's by far the best RoboCop game. Oh ever yeah, made. <laughs> seven like, or eight. It's like a I godsend. would argue that it's probably the best RoboCop game that could be made. Yeah. Like I don't know what, what else, else can you, you do. do yeah. Really. I mean, I guess you could do a full open world where you can drive the car anywhere you want, but like, yeah. does that really add does much that to change? it? Not really. Probably not. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, it's 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 solid. I mean, this this team they also did Terminator Resistance, which just got like a new next gen version, I think, on PS Five or something. Mm-hmm. I can't. I think it was already out on some platform, but came out on the rest of the platforms like at the end of October, which also was like better than it should have been. Like Terminator Resistance is also a surprisingly good game. Yeah. Uh, considering how the quality of the other Terminator games. Now, this is on running on Unreal Engine 5, right? Yeah. One of the few games still at this point that's running on Unreal Engine 5. Looks good. Does it ever get outside? Do you ever... Are you, is there combat outside? Yeah, the, 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 the steel mill you're in is mostly outside. It's is fairly it? outside. Okay. I mean, you, I mean, the streets are outside. Yeah, but I felt like that area with the streets was just like this area they just put in there as like a diversion. There's never any big open wide vistas. You're never going to see anything out of like Immortals of Avium or right. anything, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, I was just um, asking if there's more like outdoor open areas with areas that you can see further than like 50 feet, basically. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's not common, but there's like a thing in the in the, the steel mill. There's a train yard, and if you activate one of the locomotives, it activates and busts down a bunch of doors and you can it goes down about half a mile you can you can walk all the way down there and it does actually show the detail because like 
the thing that the, that it, it shows like a thing fall from the ceiling and land on top of the engine, which is your signal that you can get up there if you uh-huh. climb the engine. So it does show that to you from a pretty pretty fair distance. Away. Okay. But as always, Unreal is not the greatest at you know long distance stuff. It does have tons of texture pop in and high res pop like like between shots. Like wow. it, I mean, it's 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 that classic Unreal like. You know how is this still a problem this after all this years time later in unreal engine 5 why is yeah. this still a problem it's just a it's like of all the things i was gonna if i were to make unreal engine 5 if there were it was one thing i'd be working on fixing first it was going to be that it would be that texture res popping yeah. problem and that is all over the place in this game i mean part of that is because i'm playing it at such a high resolution with everything turned to ultra but like it should be able to handle that on that. Yeah, it's for just, sure. I mean, I have more than enough VRAM to handle that. It's just not loading it in fast enough. And sometimes the, the crazy thing is sometimes it's it's like during conversational scenes, you're cutting back and forth between a, two characters and they're like the, the cops uniforms are popping their name badge in. Oh. To be lo- and it's like you just showed him like 10 seconds ago. Why is it just not leave that character there? loaded into the cache. I don't know what how that works. I don't know anything about how that kind of yeah. this know, is where our knowledge of works. game development <laughs> runs but aground. Like, whatever it is, it's inherent to the Figure unreal stuff and has yeah. been. I mean, that's the same shit you've seen in Mass Effect 1 back yeah. in the day. So that is an issue. Uh, otherwise, it runs pretty well outside of, again, some weird artifacting around some, I think, that's related to the DLSS stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I've seen that a lot now. Yeah, like people, get, people get those weird transparent halos, mm-hmm. you know, where they don't... Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. seems to happen a lot. Um, but overall, it works pretty well. Uh, it, it goes from, like, moments of looking amazing to moments of, like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I even noticed that in the demo, honestly. Yeah, that, that stays pretty consistent. And there's there's moments where it's, like, it looks really cool. And there's moments where you're just like, oh, my God, that's you think that's what a tomato is? Like, it's like, <laughs> you know. We have a couple questions in the comments. Uh, Silk Snake asks, um, any opinion on the music? Music's very good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love. I actually, I actually, legitimately love the sad piano version of the RoboCop theme that plays on the t- on the title screen. Like yeah. that's that was the first thing that clued me in that this might be something special. It was like, oh, you not only remember the original RoboCop theme, but you got the tone on. You this made a track. good version of it. Yeah, yeah. It was. So that was cool. That was very cool. Um, and it remember it has that kind of that 80s sort of action thing going when it does stuff like that and it's sort of a, there's an eeriness to it but uh-huh. also it has like a bunch of original music like weird punk stuff like the, uh, the when you finally track down that punk guy who's on the TV at the beginning he's singing a, a punk show down oh. in this like you have to track him down to this basement and it's this awful song and he can't sing but it is a full band playing and wow. you have to walk through the crowd as Robocop and he's like oh look who's here and, all, and like and then he drops the microphone <laughs> and like the this quality of his voice sounds different because he's no longer amplified uh-huh. and then like if you take him back through that room later you have to carry him out of the building because you arrest him and you carry him out and as he's walking through the room like the quality of this, the sound of his voice changes as he's yelling at you because you're in a, la- a bigger room right, like, so right. there's some pretty cool audio tricks and like when you go to fight the vulture guys, um, they're playing like really obnoxious like metal like new metal shit through uh, um, PA like PA system, and you can you don't have to it's not an op- objective, but you can shoot the PA speakers if you don't want to have to listen to that crap because it is because <laughs> it's modulated super loud uh-huh. even by the standards of the game, so it's gonna be uncomfortable. It's at an uncomfortable volume compared to the rest of the game's audio. Uh-huh. So it's encouraging you in a subtle way to like just shoot the, the, Interesting. the speakers off. What um, about ev- the detective stuff? Does that continue throughout the it game? It does. Yeah. It keeps going. You're picking all that up, and you have to kind of solve, like, you know, like, I don't know if you did the arcade section in the streets. 
arcade section. In, yeah, go, yeah, go in the, the arcade. arcade. You have to figure out where the secret doors are. Yeah. There's an extra stash you can find. That continues all the way through. Okay. Um, it never gets particularly like even when you get to the steel. When you get to the steel mill, there's nobody there, and you you're looking. You're still looking for the missing this missing cop who's mm-hmm. like part of a side quest in the streets. And you talk to his wife and basically say you're going to try to find him and nobody knows where he went and all this stuff. And you go and basically you find that his car is there and you analyze the car and you find blood trails and you can follow the blood trail right into the... That's where you get ambushed by the motorcycles for the first time. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they did something with this guy, and you don't mm-hmm. know what yet. Uh, but yeah, you you are using the. I mean, the detective stuff I'd say is about as involved and prominent as say like the detective stuff in Arkham City. Okay. You know, it's like it's it's they use it to sort of push the plot forward because because he's a cop and trying to solve the mystery, but it's not really a focus. Yeah. It never gets more. It, you never have to like solve any real puzzles. I would say. Okay. Um, there's things where like you'll find like if you find a safe for the combination that co- you can if you have engineering two or electronics two or something you can just pull it open oh, and okay. hack it but if you find a safe for the combination there the combination is somewhere in the area you mm-hmm. just have to find the note or, or the, the email or something with it on and then you can go automatically but like not painted on the wall like alan wake too no not quite that <laughs> obvious but it, but they are in places that make sense to keep something like that yeah and, or, or if you need to activate something if you follow wiring back to where the wiring goes to, you'll probably find the button that turns. You know, it, it does make some spatial sense. Okay. Um, I, it's it's a it's a very it's a very pleasant game. Like <laughs> pleasant with your like, exploding heads. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just it just does everything fine. It does, it does everything pretty yeah. pretty work pretty well. Yeah. Like it's and it's just kind of nice to play. You know, I like RoboCop. I, you know, I, yeah. I like you know RoboCop Terminator. Predator and uh, Aliens properties. are kind of those four R-rated sci-fi things of my childhood. Yeah. And uh, it's nice to see Robocop. I mean, Robocop feels like he lends himself to the FPS the easy. And people tried it before and it didn't work too well. Yeah. Um, it worked out pretty well. I, I hope... I, I like This team kind of came out of nowhere for me because they've been around for a long time, but mostly they've done, frankly, shovelware and ports mm-hmm. and mobile stuff. And all of a sudden they did Terminator Resistance, which was like pretty good. It was like... Not terrible. No, it was like, it was like this <laughs> yeah. is good. It's yeah. all right. Like, yeah. this is pretty good. Like, and, it, and it gets... Again, music sort of you know picks up some of the music with whatever they can license, I guess, and mm-hmm. like it it does get what makes Terminator Terminator, and this gets what makes RoboCop RoboCop, and I'm like, oh, uh, what other licenses could we throw at these guys? Because they really seem to know they're how to capture it. the IP they're working the with essence, yeah. in a way that feels increasingly rare. These maybe we could throw them a fucking Marvel game, right? Um, Seriously though, real like like what do these guys think the Avengers should do? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> uh, really, right. like. Or like Superman. Yeah. Like I like these two games. Like this game kind of spins silver out of straw. Yeah. You know, not gold necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Because there's only so far I think you can take RoboCop as a character in terms of what he could do in a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can't even jump. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, he doesn't take fall damage though, which is fun. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of times where you have got guys down there and you can't do an Assassin's Creed thing, but you can just drop down. And like, like Holy shit. and like it takes you a while to get back up, but it takes them that long to recover from the fact that a <laughs> five hundred pound cyborg just dropped in the middle of them. Yeah. Um, how much does this cost? I've never checked 50. because fifty bucks. Yeah. There's and 50 how long on have you Steam. played it at this point? Do you know? Oh, I wouldn't. I I can't remember because I leave it paused for a while and come uh, back. So my Steam play ten time hours. Is, 15 hours probably less than 10 yeah does in it feel of, like it's wrapping up or no if oh, I, okay. I feel like i'm maybe 
halfway, getting through oh, okay. halfway through. So it's a pretty good value proposition. Yeah, the the judge. I mean, judging by how slow the upgrading is going uh, on the on those trees, you Usually do when you co- when you come back from a mission from a, a you know from an area, and you get plugged back into your you know your maintenance bay. The police station. It does like go through and rate you on every all the side quests you completed, all the everything you, all the evidence you picked up, and you get more XP on top of what you've already gotten for right. that as bonuses for that. And so you'll usually get like three, four, five skill points when you get back to base from yeah. from everything you've done out in the field in the meantime. Um, so that does bump it, but like the, the the upgrade goes pretty slow. So there's a fair amount of meat in there, I think. Okay. So it seems well, like a unless, pretty good value then. Yeah, unless they're leaning hard on New Game Plus or something. Yeah. Um, see, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah. Like, I'd, I'd like to see these guys get a little more... Uh, Cinetic says, throw them die hard. That's an option. Yeah, <laughs> that's something. Um, Rosencrans, always wanted to ask you guys, before I begin on Cyberpunk 2077 playthrough, do you recommend finishing off the base game before starting on Phantom Liberty? Oh. No. Um, you don't have to. No, I would actually. I would say it plays better if you play if you do Phantom Liberty kind of in the middle. Okay. Um, I played. I finished the campaign and then played Phantom Liberty. So you can do either. I mean, mechanically, but narratively, I think it works better in kind of the in the in the mid to late part of V's story. Um, once V has some reputation, uh, because everybody kind of knows who she is mm-hmm. in that. Um, certainly enough that the president knows who she is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would. I would especially if you haven't played it before or you've only played the original version like they changed the way it plays and everything so much that I think it's worth playing a new game of it if you have the time and by the time it, the the Phantom Liberty stuff opens up when you finish the um the Evelyn branch of the main quest mm. so like there's, there's like three at a certain point there's three different paths you can kind of take you can figure out what happened to Evelyn you can go help uh Takamura and there's you can do something else like another thing I can't remember but there's like three kind of choices of what you can kind of do um maybe that maybe I'm just thinking of like going to to Jackie's ofrenda and stuff or that kind of thing but point um, being though it really as long as you're halfway through the game you're good yeah, yeah but like I would I would think the best experience would be to go through and have it kind of in the middle of everything okay uh silk snake who by the way worked on this game uh says that it was supposed to be full price but the team fought hard to get the price lower Mm. I'm surprised that the development team convinced the publisher to sell it for cheaper. <laughs> that doesn't well, happen to be, very often. To be often. fair, the pub- I don't know who the publisher is. It's, it's The thing kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, remember when it was announced, nobody even knew it existed. I mean, I saw it. I literally thought it was one of the worst video games I had ever seen. That first trailer, it looked so bad. He walked into a room and people were like, Robocop! And mm. then they're like, their little pistols trying to shoot Robocop. He's like, that's not going to work, bro. Like, you need to run. Like Nacon, that's who. I don't, I don't think Nacon. You can probably outmaneuver Nacon <laughs> in, in the negotiating room, right? Maybe. Um, um, yeah. So, I mean, certainly the only reason we've said that name this year. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's you recommend that people get. Oh uh, yeah, if yeah. you like RoboCop, it's absolutely no. I mean, this is the best RoboCop game ever, and will probably remain the best RoboCop game ever forever. Forever, unless yeah. they unless they make another one. <laughs> yeah. Unless you yeah. guys make another one. I mean, I could make that determination even off the three yeah. hours I spent with the demo. Like also like. If you're one of the people that complains about there's no B-list games, like everything's a triple-A thing, or anything, like this, is the, this is it. And this is this one is, worth supporting. Yeah, this is a good one. Yeah. This is this is like kind of those 
those Capcom games nobody talks about anymore on the PS2, like Shadow yeah. of Rome. Yeah. Where it was just like, oh, that was really cool. Nobody remembers it. Yeah. It wasn't like a big hit. Asura's Wrath is one of them. Yeah. That yeah. was one of them. It's like one of those games that I'll never forget, but nobody else remembers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, so yeah. It's, yeah. it's 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 solid. And so is Terminator Resistance again. Like again, the, both of these. And I I I wish Schreier or somebody should like profile these guys because who yeah. are they? Like yeah. where did they, they come from? Like all of a sudden it's like. Why are you guys so good at this? Yeah, <laughs> like you know, kind of like, crazy. Like yeah. I want to know more about the people who made this game. Well, best of luck to you, Sneaky, and the team. Um, I hope the game does very well for you. Just being completely editorially across the board honest, like it's a good game. So, yeah. um, congratulations, first of all, on finally nailing RoboCop. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's been 20, 30 years in the making for this to happen. So um, I liked it based upon the demo I played. I played three hours of it. Mass mm-hmm. played 10 or whatever. Yeah. It's the first RoboCop game I've liked since the original Data East arcade game. Oh, wow. Data East. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Just that company. Do they even exist anymore? No. Yeah, I don't think so. No. Yep. Drop it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, so there you go. That is RoboCop. Rogue City. That's two thumbs up from Game Face. You probably could have figured that out from our impressions of the demo like a month ago. We both really liked it. But um, it, it maintains. Yeah. Matt now has played more, and he says it holds up throughout the course of the game. So go and get it. Next up. I told you we had five games today, people. Next up, we're going to talk about a game that I wish I had not played. And I can't remember the last time I said that about a video game, and particularly about a driving game. And that game is EA Sports. WRC. Some of you may be Game Pass subscribers and you may have opened up Game Pass and you may have seen that there is a free trial of this game available if you are Game Pass, I guess, Ultimate, then you get access to some of EA's games. Yeah. Um, yeah you, you get EA Play, EA like Play. added on, basically. Yep. And on, this game is on EA Play. As you can see, it's kind of dirty how they make, they put the watermark on the game mm. to show that it's like an EA Play trial. What is, what was the, why would you do that? DA. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's like a scarlet letter that you're putting on people like as they, if they play the game as a demo instead of playing it after they paid for it. Well, I can tell you this much. After you play this free taste or whatever, you won't want another taste because this is literally one of the worst games I have played in a really long time. Matt, to our point, talking about Unreal Engine earlier... And we're not going to talk about this game very long, so don't like. We're gonna. It's gonna take like ten minutes to talk about this, so don't run off being like, "Oh, I don't want to hear about WRC." It's not going to last very long. There's not a lot to say about it. But I wanted to give this game a try because I'm not a big F1 fan, and really, the only games we've seen from Codemasters since it was purchased by EA is the F1 games. And I have been a huge fan of Cody's rally games in the past, going all the way back to you remember Rally Sport Challenge? Oh yeah. That was what, Xbox 360? Yeah. Rally Sport Challenge 2, I remember, was like a big graphical showcase. Yeah, they were great. And I love the Dirt franchise, which are their other rally racing games. So I thought this game was a shoe-in, that I was going to love this game. And going back to what Matt and I were talking about with RoboCop and Unreal Engine, for whatever reason, Codemasters decided to change engines for this and start using Unreal Engine on this game. And it is, be- it is a complete mm. disaster. Yeah, I don't know why you'd want to use Unreal Engine for fast streaming of terrain. So, again, your point earlier about how details drawing in, I mean, it's almost hilarious how bad the stuff draws in on this game. Like, first of all. Second of all, this game is dead. It's like you're driving through these, like, rural locations. There is nothing going on. There are no animals. There are no people. 
one thing that's cool about rally racing, real rally racing, is how insane the fans are. How they will stand on the corners of these dirt roads as these cars go like 150 miles an hour past them, like sliding. That's lost in this. There's no crowds. There's no animals out in the, there's nothing. It's just you on this track with nothing moving. You gotta remember, this is also rally racing. So you're not normally racing against other cars. It's all time trial stuff. You're trying to be the create the best time through the stages or whatever. So you don't get a lot of interaction with other cars. But again, I've played a lot of rally games and I was totally cool with that. In this one, because the rest of the game isn't all that exciting, it almost feels like a deal breaker in a lot of ways. Now, this game is technically the newest version of Colin McRae Rally. Now, he passed away, right, Matt? Yeah. And so I, I wondered, I'm like, what are they going to do? They've had this franchise all this time. They changed it into WRC. It has actually been WRC now for a couple entries. Um, the difference between WRC or Colin McRae and Codemaster's other rally games is that this typically is the more rigid simulation, the more realistic take. The other games are a little more arcadey, um, and they're easier to handle. This one is like insane as far as realism is concerned and if you're into that kind of thing like this might be an okay choice for you until you start playing it and that's when the rubber hits the road in all the worst ways um rally racing in general isn't even a road right well here's the thing about rally racing is that like you're going down these very narrow dirt roads literally just wide enough for your car and not two cars and if you make one mistake and your tire catches the berm or it hits a dirt clot on the side of the road, you go flying off of the road, you go flipping down like a hill. Like you cannot make a single mistake in this really. Now I will say this, the time, the, the times that you need to make are pretty generous. Even if you're playing it on the default difficulty setting, like one thing I found about this game is you need to go way slower than you think you need to go. Like. You'll watch this B-roll and you'll be like, oh my God, look how slow Shane is going through this. And then you'll see that I won the race by like literally 30 seconds. So the first thing that I needed to get over is like, you don't go as fast in this as you think that you should. And that's good because if you go fast in this game, that's when it all falls apart. Mm -hmm. So if you start going fast in this game and you come up over a hill and you can see a big chunk of the track or the terrain ahead of you, the game just stops. It doesn't stutter, Matt it stops well also the other thing is like you're in a camera angle that makes you look like you're going slower you think the angle has it something to do with it fish fish eye uh or more first person definitely makes you think you're going faster yeah um because you're going like 70 kilometers per hour there that's not well they're saying that i am yeah it doesn't feel like it at all because because the camera maybe the the if you put down on the bumper you'd feel like you're going faster i mean i'm sure but you know matt i play tons of driving games with this same camera angle (laughs) well yeah but this camera angle is not fish-eyed is what i'm saying it's like a lot of third person camera angles in racing games are could give you a better sense of speed but they're not doing that here um i'm not sure why the end result is that it seems slowly probably because they're trying to give it give you the sim ability so you have a better way to judge how fast you're going because that actually does look about as fast as you're going if you're looking at a car from behind and not watching it pass you yeah um to sim it's not particularly exciting well really. you can see inside there like all the the driver and the co-pilot are all modeled mm-hmm. and fully animated in there you can see him driving shifting gears and all that stuff regardless of what view you're playing the game from so that that's nice little details that are in there um there are 200 stages in the not game. much of a trade-off for pausing over hills no. though yeah so to get back to what i was saying this game literally stops 
and then starts. And if it's not doing that, the screen starts tearing, literally in half. It's the worst screen tearing I have seen in a game in like 15 years. I'm not exaggerating. You don't see games with V-Sync tearing issues like this game has anymore. You just don't. You don't see games where the engine just chokes. Again, if you're going at any rate of speed and you can see this much terrain out in front of you, it just starts hitching. And the problem is, some games that may not be a big deal. But again, in this game, you make one slight mistake and your race is ruined. And these races are crazy long. Like, each stage is like 8 to 10 minutes long. Now again, they are a little generous. Like, you can wipe out once or twice maybe and still finish okay. Any more than that, you're not gonna though. And again, the technical issues with the graphics in this game are so bad, it affects the gameplay. It will make you fail races, which is inexcusable in 2023 that any game engine would do that. There's 70 different rally cars. If you've already seen from the B-roll, they go all the way back to like the 60s, which if you're a big rally guy or girl, mm. that's pretty cool. That's another reason why you feel like you're going slow is you're, you're in an ancient car. You're an old car, yeah. But not always. Like eventually I get like state-of-the-art uh, cars and then that presents a whole other set of issues because you're going way faster and it's almost impossible to stay on the road um, so there are 70 different cars that go all the way back into like the 50s and 60s and the cars do generally look pretty good it's probably the graphical highlight of the game however like cars don't get mud on them they'll have mud on them after the race is over they'll show your car in the garage all beat up and dented and everything but while you're playing it, like it doesn't get any mud on the car at all. It's bizarre. And then you'll finish the race and it'll be caked with mud. It's like, where was that in real time when the game was actually being played? Um, after every race, if you have damage, you hire a crew, you have four slots for your crew and you, you have like, I don't know, 20 or 30 people who are actually on your staff. And then you choose from those 20 or 30, the four that are actually gonna work for you on that race. And in between each legs of an event, your car is damaged. You need to pay to get it fixed, basically. And it seems like a bad time to do this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, here's so I didn't I didn't leave. Where the, these people standing in the, in the complete pitch darkness, waiting for a car to drive by them. It's. I'm this B-roll doesn't last very long on this because it's annoying just to watch. Imagine racing in 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 this, where if you make one mistake, the race is over, and do the tracks are barely wide enough for your car. Do they do that? Yeah. Night, night races oh, yeah. and rally? Rally racing, Matt, is insane. I have a ton of respect for rally racers, man. Like, they put their balls on the line with every turn. Like, and you see the fans standing, on, again, on these turns while they're power sliding like 150 miles an hour across gravel. Like, not just the drivers. The fans are also insane for rally racing. I have a ton of respect for both of them, honestly. But I don't feel like this game portrays that, like, at all. Like, it, there's no, I don't, there's no sense of danger because it doesn't feel like you're going very fast and there's no obstacles and there's no people. Like, I don't know. If for a rally simulation, I don't feel like it simulates rally all that well. Um, so you can't, there are 70 real cars, but you can also build your own from scratch, from the chassis up. Like literally part by part, you can build cars in this, which I think is something that fans of rally will probably also appreciate. However, like the paint and the wraps and all the cosmetic stuff in this is horrible, first of all. The options are crazy limited, but two, they look terrible on the cars themselves when you do them yourself. So that's one element of driving games that a lot of people like in modern driving games that is not handled very well here. 
Um, when you start the career, you can choose from WRC, WRC2, or Junior WRC, depending on your skill level. But I'll be honest with you, I jumped straight to, to the real WRC. I had no problems. Like, I was finishing first or second pretty much in every event. So I, I would recommend, if you do play this, to just jump to the main uh, class if you can. Um, and then the handling is all over the place. Like... Like I said, one slight tip of the stick in the wrong direction and your rear, rear, rear end starts spinning out behind you and you have to start oversteering to try to auto... And it's just over. Like, if your ass in starts swinging out in this, it's over. Because if you make a swing one or two feet either way, you're off the road and you're off the road and you're out of the race. And it takes forever to get back on the track. You get like crazy like 20 some second penalties sometimes for going off the track. Like, the game doesn't measure those very well either. Um, as far as like the grip and the feel of the game, I feel I think it's terrible. Like I feel like everything in this game, except for on tarmac, dirt, snow, it feels like you're racing on roller skates. Like you just have to be so gentle with the stick on any turn. But then you get a car on tarmac like this, and it's like it's on rails. Like no matter every little tip of the stick, like it swerves to the side. Like again, I finished. Fine. I was like winning the career mode in this in first place almost every stinking time. It just it just feels bad. The handling feels bad in my opinion. I didn't think it felt good whether I was off-road or whether I was on the tarmac on a paved road. I just thought it felt bad no matter what. Um, what else? The races are really long. They're 10 minutes apiece. They're like 30 kilometers long. Marshall is bold, I have to say. What is? Marshall just standing in the road. Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah, you're supposed to stop before you run into him or whatever. Um, the tracks in this are at least double the length of the average track in the Dirt franchise. And I know a lot of you guys have played it. It's been on Game Pass, and it's been offered for free with Xbox Live Gold here and there. Most people have played Dirt. The tracks are double the length of Dirt, and Dirt's tracks are already pretty long. I already talked about the performance, the screen tearing, the engine buckling. Honestly, it makes the game a complete deal breaker, Matt. Because if you, again, you make one mistake, it fails a race. You can't have a game that stutters and buckles when that's the case. Like, it just can't happen. Um, the rain and the water effects in this are laughably bad. Like, you go through, like, a stream, and it's like this white wall that just, like, goes out in front of your car. Um... As I said, the tracks feel dead. It's just you and the track. There's never anyone or anything out on the tracks. Um, nothing's happening off the track. As I said, there's damage, but and the damage will affect the handling of the cars as well, which is annoying. Like there was one, again, these races are so long. I had wrecked really bad. And for the next five minutes, I had to hold left the whole time because the car was pulling to the right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I haven't played a game with this many faults in a really long time, and particularly a driving game. It's really hard to make a driving game with this many issues in 2023, but somehow Codemasters managed to do it. This game is a mess. I, I'm shocked that they released it. I'm not shocked that they're giving away like a free five-hour preview uh, because I feel like otherwise no one's going to buy this game because I did read like a review or two. I couldn't believe how generous they were to this game. Um, a couple of the reviews that were out there, I was like, whoa. Uh, okay. So, EA Sports WRC getting off on the exact wrong foot for all of Codemasters rally racing games because it has like three franchises. This is kind of its wheelhouse. So I was really disappointed in this game. Um, I, play, I did play it on Xbox Series X 
So I cannot say for sure that if you play it on PlayStation 5 or PC, that it runs like it does on Xbox Series X, but on Xbox Series X, it ran like trash. These days, it usually runs worse on PC at launch. Sometimes, yeah. But it's Codemasters, and Codemasters has a pretty good reputation on PC generally. Yeah, there's only so much you can do with Unreal 5. Yeah, it's true. It's weird how everything kind of has the same problems. It is. I saw someone in chat was like, what's up with Unreal? Like, is it, un it is kind of Unreal. Like, for whatever reason, developers can't get their head around it. Um, AJ asked for a new, no rewind feature. No. There's no rewind feature. Yeah, I think the Forza rewind feature should be standard in all racing games. It probably should be. Especially in something like this, where you, literally the track is just as wide as your car, yeah. and if your tire goes off-road, you fly off the track. Like, obviously, let the purists turn it off. But yeah, like if, make if it I an wanna, option. Yeah, if I want to just not have to redo a giant, you know, 10-minute race. I should be allowed let, to do let that. Me. Yeah. Um, put a giant asterisk next to, next to my times. I don't care. Yeah. Um, feels like Roland Rollers gets as usually realistic. Seems like Shane is not used to these kinds of games. I am, dude. I already said that I love their rally racing games. I have played Rally Sport Challenge 1, 2, and 3. I have played Dirt, all of them. I've played all their rally racing games. Yeah, but all, those, all the games you're listing are arcadey more than the WRC ones. Well, there, he's saying these types of games. This is the only one. <laughs> there is no other one. This is it. Like, are, there no, are there no Dirts anymore? Yeah, but there, as you said, they're arcade style. I'm saying this is the only rigid simulation mm. rally racing franchise of theirs. Like, all the other ones are, are more arcadey. Because, for obviously, for reasons that we just found by, I did, by playing this game. So, it's a shame, like, that EA spent, like, what was it, 1.2 billion or something for Codemasters? I don't know. It was something outrageous. I'm pretty sure this wasn't a make-or-break game for them. No, I mean, uh, F1 is a recurring franchise. That's mm -hmm. money in the bank every year. Um, and then their rally games come out once every couple years, but... Mm -hmm. And Dirt is really their bread and butter on that. It is. Dirt is their rally racing franchise that sells the best because to your point, it is more user friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have played the living crap out of every rally racing franchise. I played Colin McRae Rally back in the day before he passed and they changed it to WRC. That has nothing to do with it. Um, and I have driven cars on dirt roads. It's not like driving on roller skates. Cars still grip dirt roads. Cars still grip in the snow. Like literally playing this game felt like we talked about it a couple weeks ago, those old handheld games where you had a car and a little steering wheel and there was a piece of paper that like, and it just feels like you're just turning that car on that piece of paper and it doesn't matter what's on the piece of paper, the car is just gonna do whatever the wheel tells it. That's what it feels like playing this game. I did not feel like the car felt attached to the track at all. Have there been other Unreal 5 driving games? I think this is the only one. Hmm. The only one that I'm aware of anyway. I'll be curious to see how Future the how the feel uh, stacks up in future Unreal 5 yeah. games. It, well, right now, there's only, what, six Unreal Engine 5 games on the market? Something like that? There's not that many. Maybe maybe a little more. I don't know. what there's the, That, Robocop, Re Re Revenant 2. Um, Lords of the Fallen. Lords of the Fallen. There's another one. I'm forgetting the Shiga shootery thing. Not many. Yeah. We'll see how it goes <laughs> so far. But this I don't think this is Unreal Engine 5 even. I think this is Unreal 4. They just switched to Unreal for this game where they had been using their own, I believe, their own proprietary engine before this. And I think I think if there was a quote where the reason they went to Unreal was because they wanted to be able to draw further vistas than their engine would allow. And what happens when, in this game when that, the, it crashes almost? It just slows down to like a crawl. So... 
EA Sports WRC stay far, far away. I would not recommend anybody buy this because you can't, it's like, it's broken. It's irrevocably broken. Like you can't finish some races. It just, it stutters and you fly off the track and you fail the race. Like if you want to keep doing that, be my guest, beat your head against that wall. For me, no thank you. EA Sports WRC, huge thumbs down from Game Face. All right, our final game of Game Face episode 365 is a good game and a game that I enjoyed a lot and one that I'm disappointed that Matt has not got a chance to play yet and that is a game called Jusant. I think I'm saying that correctly. I'm not 100% sure. But you'll remember it as soon as I show it to you right now. It is a climbing game. And it's not a climbing game like Assassin's Creed where you just hold the stick in the direction of the wall and they just scramble up the wall. This is like a climbing simulation. I believe probably the closest you can get to a climbing simulation that's not VR. Because VR does climbing very, very well. But this one does it pretty well. Um, the first thing I would say is this game gives me vibes of a lot of other games. It gives me a little bit of an eco vibe. One, because the character kind of looks like the character from eco, but he's also mute. He doesn't talk. So you have to learn everything by grunts and facial expressions and hand gestures. Although Eco does talk. Yeah, you're right. He does. He just doesn't speak English. Right. He speaks a gibberish. This guy doesn't talk at all. Um, and he has that little thing in his backpack that helps him climb. It helps set like his um, grapple points for him throughout the course of the game. Um, so it does give me, it also gives me some journey vibes as well. Um, because there's no overt storytelling in this at all. You have to uncover what's happening in this game by picking up pieces of paper that have been left around. So what has happened is civilization has been wiped out by the, the Jusant. That's where the name of the game comes from. And you play as a young, car a young climber and you're carrying an infant ballast or ballast. That's what that little thing is in your backpack. Um, and it has the ability to restore water to wastelands that have been dehydrated by the the Jusant, the world-ending event, uh, which they which is said it's French for receding tide. That's what the developer said anyway. Um, but anyway, there's no overt storytelling. So you're trying to figure out what happened to this society. Why did it go away? Why did everybody disappear? What was the cataclysm that caused everybody to disappear? And again, you use the letters that you ha that you find that kind of spell out the story for you. Now, even then, they leave a lot of things ambiguous, and I think that's on purpose. I think they want you to kind of fill in a little bit of the blanks yourself, but it does give you a general framework of what happened to this society uh, before you show up. Um, so as you can see, this it appears that this is set in, on Earth because it has all these old elements of Earth life. Um, uh, there's boats, there's children to children's toys, there's like textile stuff, there's kitchens for people to make food in. Um, and it, you also, there's another way that you can learn through the lore by using these magical seashells. You can listen to like an oral history of some of the stuff that happened in the past via that vehicle. Um, so yeah, I, I would compare this to like Abzu, Journey. It's an open-ended exploration-focused game that's set in this weird like world this mysterious that you're trying to figure out the the truth behind basically um now once you get to the actual climbing it's it's handled pretty well so basically the right trigger is your right hand the left trigger is your left hand and you alternate right trigger left trigger right trigger left trigger to climb up rock faces 
Now, as you're doing that, you can steer, obviously. You also have a rope attached to you. And at certain points, you can use the ballast to create these hook points, basically. So if you do fall, you'll only fall back to your last hook point, essentially. But you never die in this game. I don't think there is death in this game. Or No, I did fall one time, and it just reset me to where I fell off of the cliff. So there's really no death. There's no lives in it. Again, very much like Abzu or a Journey-style game. And you use the two shoulder buttons to scale. Um, and generally, once you get the hang of it, it feels really good, man. Like, once you get the timing of the left, right, left, right, left, right. And then once you get where you're moving sideways, you have to be a little more deliberate when you're using each one of the uh, of the shoulder buttons to climb. You have to make sure you're paying attention to, like, which hand is grabbing, which one is not. And as long as you're grabbing with one hand, you can click the left analog stick down and that will let you rest because you do have a stamina meter in this, which I typically hate in games, but it's very generous. And even if you do fall, again, you only fall to your last hook point. And then the R1 and L1, they let you like either extend the rope or climb up the rope. So at any time you could be hanging, you can hit the right shoulder button and he'll just descend down, or you can hit the left shoulder button and he'll ascend up. And a lot of the game is using those physics. So at first it's very straightforward. You're just climbing like vertical walls or whatever. But eventually you get to a point where you're attached to the rope and you're like swinging. So you have to swing to reach some platforms. You also have to run like horizontally along walls. Like you're running along the wall and getting momentum going back and forth. And so you create like an arc until you get high enough to reach some platforms. Eventually, it really gives the game, uh, the, the game's physics a workout. You can do other things too, like you can have the rope extended and then you can go over like a bar or something like that. And the rope will actually lap over the bar and create a new hook point without making the hook point. And then all the physics take over from that new hook point. So the amount of work that went into the physics of the rope and the climbing and the inertia of the climber, all that stuff is like next level stuff that I haven't seen in a video game before. Um, also some other controls that you have, like once you swing up and you grab onto a ledge, you have to hit the A button to actually pull yourself up, um, because they want you to be able to dangle if you want to, if you want to shimmy along ledges before pulling yourself up. So it's very essential that that's there. So you're seeing like the rope is attached to those like modules or whatever in the walls. Um, you can hit the B button to detach that at any time if you want. And if you were to do that and detach the rope entirely and then let go of either one of your hands, you will fall. You will fall down, but you don't die. You just respawn where you were last were or whatever. But this game really has free climbing physics and mechanics. Um, and there are times, like for me, some of the puzzles in this were figuring out like how to use the climbing mechanics to get where I needed to go. Um, and so it's not just straightforward. You're like, oh, I just need to keep climbing up the wall. No, it gets very tricky. Like eventually they'll put like borders in between you and you need to figure out how to get over that border to get to the next area on the other side of the wall or the post is sticking out of the side of the wall. And that's where things start to get a little bit tricky. Um, what else can I say? Um, as I said, there's a death in the game. You can climb back up or release rope anytime you want to drop down. And the rope is really long. So I could like just let go right now and fall down. And the rope feels like it's like 200 yards long. And eventually that's where a lot of the puzzle platforming starts to come into play. Like you think you always need to go up, but eventually you start to realize that from certain hook points, you need to go down. 
and like way down sometimes to find like a hole in the side of the wall or whatever and then you go into the wall and then you realize that your climb is actually up inside after you go into the wall so you really have to consider like 360 degrees of whatever now the big mystery in this whole game is like why what's at the top of the tower if i get to the top of the tower is that going to explain like what happened why civilization was wiped out that's the mystery that keeps you going but it doesn't need to keep you going all that long. This game it took me, I think, three hours maybe to finish. I basically did it in one sitting. I sat down. I started playing it. I got up. I ate lunch. I sat back down, and it was done. So it's not a particularly long game, um, and it's on Game Pass, I should mention. Um, it is available for pretty much every platform, if I remember correctly. I wish the lower third was there because I had it in there. Um but it is on Game Pass. And so if you want to give it a try for minimal risk, um, it's a good place to do it. And I have a feeling if you do that, you'll get hooked on it and you'll finish it just like I did. Like I just started it and I was like, ah, I want to check this out to see the mechanics, the climbing mechanics, because they should be something new. And as it turns out they were, and I got hooked into the world. I got hooked into the into the flimsy story. And I got most importantly, I got hooked into the climbing mechanics and had a ton of fun with this game. Um, do you have any questions about this game, Matt? No, I, I mean, I was interested in this because I, I, I follow whatever Don't Nod does, but I completely didn't realize it came out, and I completely forgot that the Don't Nod climbing game was called Jusant because that's not a word that means anything to yeah. me. They made it up to describe whatever the cataclysm is that ended the world, basically, in the game. Um, really what this game does that I like, that I admire about it the most, is it just cuts out all the clutter and the BS that's in a lot of modern games. It's like there's no skill trees, there's no item durability... All the minutia and like the little stuff that are in games now that a lot of cases make games good and some in some cases make games really freaking annoying. This game has cut it all out. It is literally just the essence. Climb to the top. That's it. Here's the tools. They don't change much throughout the course of the game. Learn how to use them better and get better at the game and keep climbing up and hopefully you solve the mystery. That's all this game is. Um the story, it gives you as much as you take away from it. Like, I can't, I don't usually read stuff in games, but in this I did, because the game itself isn't telling you what's going on. And so I did find myself reading the pages that I discovered around the worlds or whatever. Um, and again, it allows you to get as much or as little out of the story as you want. Um, so I had a ton of fun with Jusant. Again, it's not very long. It's not a big commitment. It is on Game Pass. If you're a Game Pass subscriber, you can play it for four pennies or whatever each game costs on Game Pass per month. And I do recommend it. I do recommend it to people, too, who are interested in making games. Because here is a brand new control scheme that has not been seen in any games before. It shows you that there is always innovation. You can always innovate in art. No matter how you think things are wrote, things have just all become the same, you can always innovate and do things differently and do things better. Um, and I think that's what Jusant proves. So if you're an aspiring game developer, I highly recommend giving this game a play just to see what's possible when somebody opens their mind and doesn't dedicate $150 million to a project. Because <laughs> stuff like this is way too risky for big budget AAA games these days. So that to me, this is why these smaller games exist, to try out new ideas like this, see if they work. And I will be interested to see what they do with the sequel to this, Matt, if Don't Nod is like, okay, proof of concept, nailed it. Now let's blow this out into a full, full-fledged full game. I don't know if that works with, within the context of the plot and the way the story's told, but I do believe that Don't Nod will try. Because this game, regardless of whether it sells or not, or whether people like it or not, this game is a success. Hmm. To be able to create something like this from scratch that no one else has done or even really tried to do 
it's impressive. So props that don't nod. I did enjoy it. It's called Juicent. Um, whether you're an Xbox owner, a PlayStation owner, or a PC player, you can play it. I don't think it's on Switch. Probably will be eventually. This isn't all that demanding. It should be able to run on Switch if they work on it a little bit. So I think it probably will be there eventually. But I had a lot of fun with it. It's unique. It's unlike anything that I've ever played before. And I definitely recommend it. Vincent says, I doubt it gets a sequel. I don't know why he's saying that. but um, And he said it didn't click for him. Not sir. Thank you for Twitch Prime. Um... I'll say this, when I got to the first part of the game where I had to actually think about things and had to actually figure out like how can I use the mechanics that I've been given to get around this area that it seems like they won't work for, I did get a little frustrated and I almost quit. I tried like the same, like a couple different things that didn't work and I was like, oh, okay, I see, this game's kind of annoying. And then I figured out how to get around it and it was smooth sailing from there. So, um, even if you do hit a couple, it is, look, it's new. Anytime you have something new like this, it's going to take a little while to get your head around and try to figure out what the game's doing, what it's asking you to do, um, what's possible with the mechanics that they give you and the physics that they give you, all that kind of stuff. So I can kind of understand where Vincent's like, it isn't clicking. Vincent, I would say go back and give it another chance because, again, there's nothing else like it, and ultimately they do nail it. They do nail the concept and the ideas and the physics and the mechanics. So I'm a fan of Jusant. Just another, the game of the year for best indie game this year is going to be impossible. Like I have a hot list of like five or six games already that are like, I'm going to have to decide between. So um, this is another one. This is, if I had to pick five nominees for indie game of the year, this would be one of them so far. So, um, and again, you got to remember, I'm a gameplay first guy. So games like this are going to resonate with me. Games that try something new and do something new in the gameplay department. Um, so anyway, there you go. That's Jusant. I don't want to spend that much time on it. We always our last game on Game Face is always kind of like a little experimental game that we try out. We want to turn you guys on to to see if you guys want to give it a go, and that's no, exactly what Jusant is. Don't forget Baldur's Gate Three, technically indie. Yeah, yeah, independently funded. Yeah, even though it was two hundred million dollars. <laughs> They're a very successful independent <laughs> game company. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, there you go. That's the bulk of the show for Game Face episode 365. Let's see where we're at with... Oh, we got time for Name That Game today. That is great. But before we do that, let's hear a word from our sponsor, soundwizardry.com. Experience the realm of extraordinary audio with Sound Wizardry. With a decade-long journey in sound design, we animate your movies and video games with the breadth of sound. Our wide-ranging services include sound design, Foley, sound mixing and mastering, audio implementation, dialogue mastering, and the crafting of unique sound effects from freshly recorded material. Our portfolio contains Baldur's Gate 3, Steven Universe, Alan Wake 2, Gwent, Cyberpunk 2077, and more. Visit soundwizardry.com and let us transmute your vision into an auditory marvel. One thing I'll say I'm proud of with Sifted is how the site and our content tends to gather developers. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, we have a lot of developers that follow our shows or on the website. Soundwizardry.com obviously is another one. Look at the stuff that they've worked on. They've worked on a couple Game of the Year contenders. I can't wait to see what they work on next. Uh, but we've got Soundwizardry working on Baldur's Gate 3 and Alan Wake 2. We've got Sneaky, 
who is working on RoboCop. We had another person in our chat a couple of episodes ago that yeah, worked on RoboCop, another, right? There's another RoboCop person. In there. Yeah. So we, it's an honor that people who make games gravitate to our content. That is probably one of the best compliments that I feel like somebody can pay me. Um, in our content. So uh, thanks to SoundWizardry.com. Again, if you have any audio needs at all, hit them up. If you are a developer that watches Game Face either live or in the archives or you're a patron or whatever, and you have a project coming up, hit up SoundWizardry.com. Obviously, they can deliver the goods or they wouldn't be working on games like Alan Wake 2 and Baldur's Gate 3. So thanks again for your sponsorship. Thanks for our sponsorship from... Um, Ellis Cream as well. Without them, this doesn't happen. We appreciate our sponsors very, very much. Um, and now it's time for That's right, people. It's time for Name That Game, where I show you screenshots from a video game and you try to guess the name of the game before Matt Kyle. Couple things before we get going. There are prizes for this. If you win, you get a free PC game. If you do not play PC games or would have no use for a PC game code, please do not play. Let somebody win it who actually use the code and play it. Number two, the chat goes into slow-mo mode, which means that you can only put in one chat thing every 60 seconds. Um, so don't spam the chat with just random game titles because you'll get screwed. I'm just telling you right now. I think it just happened like the last time we played it. Mm -hmm. that, that's right. That actually happened to somebody. Um, and then the final thing is if you've already won this year, do not play. You can only win once per calendar year. So if you won at any point in 2023, just stay out of it, kick your feet up, and maybe start thinking about your question for Q&A, which we'll try to get to after we're done with Name That Game. Matt, are you ready? Sure. This one... I think I'm ready to watch the chat know what grass is from what game again. <laughs> That's pretty much what this is. Yep. I have a feeling this one will be guessed by the second screenshot, but we'll see. I've been wrong before. Are right, you guys ready? Here we go. Name that game. Image number one. Deadly premonition. Nope. I'm showing you the tree, though. Trees tend to give it away. It happened, in, what, two weeks ago with Firewatch. The trees gave it away. Mm -hmm. Or no, that was Life is Strange, I think, or something. Yeah. The Witcher 3, no. Resident Evil 4, no. Two Witcher 3s. That tree must really look like a Witcher tree. Alan Wake, no. But I could see where you might think I would do that. Uh, Resident Evil 7, no. Got any more guesses? RE4, no. Witcher 3. I lost so many no, Witcher 3s? Wow. That would be the Witcher 3. That, the stone wall in the back and the right looks very familiar, but I can't place it. Um, Spider-Man PS4, no. Silent Hill 2, no. Any more guesses from you guys? I, what I'm figuring out, Matt, is a lot of people don't guess on the first image anymore. Because mm -hmm. they're afraid the second one's going to come up that'll be more obvious and they won't be able to put their guess in. Okay, it looks like that's it. All right, here comes image number two. Go! I mean, this that should give it away. Someone's going to get it from this, I think. We'll see. can't even read it. Any guesses? Do you have any? Skyrim, no. Mafia 2, no. That's a good guess. Dishonored. Not Dishonored. Last of Us, no. 
More Witcher 3. Deadly Premonition, no. That was my guess. No. Life is Strange, no. Homefront Revolution, no. Interesting. Pulled one out of the archives. That's a random guess right there. Homefront Revolution. <laughs> Remember that game sold like crazy, but it was like terrible? Yeah. And then like later it turned out it had like a, one of the time splitters hidden in it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, Red Dead Redemption 2, no. Resident Evil 2 Remake, no. Bioshock 2, no. All right. I think we're going to make it to the third image. Here we go. Here is image number three. Mega Drive Guy, thank you for Twitch Prime. And thanks for the hype train, everybody. Elliot Noir, no. That's a pretty good guess, though. Uncharted 4, no. I can see why you think the map on the TV might be Uncharted, but it's not. Mafia 2, someone else guessed that already, no. No guesses, Matt? No, I don't recognize that. Okay. Wow. Okay, it looks like we're going to go to the fourth image. There's no guesses coming in here. All right. here This one is definitely going to give it away, so be ready, everybody. Here is the fourth image in three, two, one, go. GTA 5, no. Wow, I can't believe there aren't guesses flooding in at this point. Fallout 4, no. Stanley Parable, no. And my, <laughs> my grandma's house <laughs> from Call of Duty 1. Wow, look at the three Evil Within's. No, not Evil Within, but all three of you thought it was. Oh, we have a winner. There it is. Maybe one. It is Heavy Rain. Congratulations. <laughs> this shot is so iconic if you say so you don't remember that no that the it was wasn't it his house that had that maybe i don't remember anything about this game except sean i bet you remember this and Jason. the fifth screenshot yeah i remember that the mall yeah the, the mall where he loses the kid mega drive guy says i knew it from the tree but i couldn't say it thank you by the way for not ruining the game for everybody else mega drive guy because I, I believe you've already won this year so great job man I'm glad somebody got started to get worried there. I'm like, dang, is nobody going to get this? <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so Mazo Ren, congratulations once again. Here's another round of applause because you did an awesome job. And you get a free game. And to collect your free game from me, you can DM us right here at twitch.tv slash siftedgames. Or you can DM me on Twitter. I'm at Dinfire. Or you can DM Sifted on Twitter at siftedgames. Or if you're on Sifted, and you better be, you can DM me where I am at Shane. Hit me up at any of those places and I'll get your code out to you right away. Congratulations once again for winning Name That Game. We'll be back next week for another chance for all of you to win a free PC game. All right, let me scroll up real quick here. Make sure I didn't miss any of the Twitch Primes late in the show. Mega Drive Guy, I got you already. Anybody else jump in here late? Uh, Ready Rock Steady, thank you for subscribing at Tier 1, man. That's awesome. We appreciate it. Um, Mazo Ren, look, he subscribed with Twitch Prime, and not two minutes later, he wins a free PC game. That's awesome. Uh, that's great. 
Um, not Cirque, I already thanked you. Anybody else get in here at the end? Doesn't look like it. Okay, let's see if you guys have any questions for us. We have about five minutes to answer questions before we have to get out of here. Uh, Justin Horman, how are you feeling about the PS5 Slim pricing? The digital edition is more expensive now and the drive attachment is pricey on its own, $80 USD. Does the ability to upgrade to be able to use disc make it worth it? Uh, for me, it would be. I don't think for Matt it would be, though. No. I, I still buy all physical, but Matt doesn't. So I think it just depends on you. Like, or do you <laughs> buy physical or do you buy digital? Yeah. And if I think if you do buy... You've never stuck a, a disc in your PlayStation 5. That would be, Yeah, why would you need it? Yeah. But I do think that if you are a physical buyer, it's worth 80 bucks. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Like, if you buy one game or two games and you play them and then you sell them... You got your 80 bucks back. Like, uh, it's a no-brainer. So, yeah, I, I would buy the drive if I were you, um, if you're interested in physical games. Absolutely. It's, it'll be worth every penny very quickly. Um, Cinetype says, I played Heavy Rain and didn't recognize any of that except them all. Interesting. Um, Grimshaw rocks. Victor Lucas, our good friend Victor, if you guys remember him from Extended Play and Electric Playground on G4. Uh, Electric Playground, not Extended Play. All right. Electric Playground. Um, and then Reviews on the Run was kind of the spinoff name yeah. in Canada, right, for the show? Um, I mean, that was always kind of called that, and then it became that after it left G4 for a while. Now it's EP, yeah. EP Live or whatever. Good dude. V Victor I is mean, it's really just people. different names for the same shows running continuously since, like, 1997. <laughs> yeah. so. He's managed to squeeze that out somehow. Um, Victor Canadian Lucas. Grant. <laughs> Victor Lucas says Alan Wake 2 is a masterpiece in his new video. Would you collaborate with him on a video? What? What? I don't understand I mean, what that I, means. I wouldn't mind working with Victor on something. I mean, we love Victor. We'll work on him with anything. With, what does it have to do with what he thinks of Alan Wake 2? <laughs> okay. Uh, next. No, Alan Wake 2 is not a masterpiece. <laughs> Jail, Victor Lucas. Jail for a thousand years. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, from Vincent, do you think the triple WoW expansion announcement is Blizzard trying to commit to something big before major change, like Ubisoft announcing Beyond Good and Evil 2 before the possible buyout? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, it probably is them trying to like show like we're not going away. We don't plan to kill the game just because Microsoft bought us. So there's probably some of that there, but it's certainly not what Ubisoft was doing with BG&E two, um, which, as I understand it, is yet is dead once again. But like, if it was ever alive, you yeah. Know, um, I think what you're seeing and what you're going to continue seeing is the various parts of Activision Blizzard trying to rationalize their value after the purchase mm -hmm. like they're like look microsoft just bought us and now here comes three expansions for world of warcraft like i think we're gonna see a lot of this type of stuff and a lot of it is like pie in the sky it's like when are we gonna actually see that third expansion in like five years probably like a lot of it is just like this is what we're gonna be doing for the next five years now that we've been purchased. I think we're gonna see more of that from the other studios that were bought in that acquisition. Some so. of that, I think a lot of this is just trying to soothe the WoW subscribers into not panicking and thinking that their game might go away. Right. It'll be interesting to see if they do put it up on Game Pass. So if you subscribe for Game Pass, you get World of Warcraft. Like, that's that, a big X factor. That, that doesn't feel like a big X factor to me. It feels like a pretty definitely not going to happen. Thing. You don't think it's going to happen? I, Pactor does. I don't. I, I think Pactor thinks a lot of things are going to happen. But see, so. I, don't, I kind of agree with them, though, because it doesn't matter anymore how much money they make from WoW subscriptions. What matters, according to Microsoft, is how many people subscribe to Game Pass. Yeah, but you still got to still gotta have a positive cash flow to keep that thing going. It's like an MMO is like, oh, you release it and whatever you do with it is free money after that. Like, WoW is an ongoing machine that needs to be fed. But I think that Microsoft's perspective is like, it doesn't matter 
what you give us the $15 per month for. You can say to yourself, this is for World of Warcraft, but they I, don't care. I'm They'll just give you the rest of Game Pass for the $15. I don't think corporations are structured that way, really. Like, even back in the day, like, you have to get money from this for that. Like, you know, Lucasfilm can't use money on this and make it up with Marvel sales like that. I think Activision is going to stay its own kind of department and World of Warcraft's going to have to justify its existence on its own terms. And I, I could see maybe doing some kind of Game Pass related trial, like you get to play for two weeks free or something with Game Pass once if you've never played it before. I do not think they will do that. We'll see. I It'll think be World, interesting to watch. I think World of Warcraft will remain its own separate, separate subscription. Um, Eat Demon, given all the game press layoffs, do you think the future of games coverage is small group solo patrons? I, it is. <laughs> We're there. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's the present of it. I mean, I think it has been for a while. I think people don't understand it the way that I do because I curate every day. I see every piece of content that every website publishes. And I can just tell you right now that it is bad. Like, half of the content that comes into our admin now, not half, it's probably 30%, is IGN. It just is. IGN is a machine. It it does all the stuff that the small guys wish they could do, but they don't have the finances and the bandwidth to do it. And then if the little guys do manage to find something that, they, that they've created that's original, IGN just steals it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I see it over and over again. Perfect example, GameSpot's expert series, where they have a weapons expert come on and say, this gun in Call of Duty feels accurate or it doesn't. Now IGN stole that whole idea. Now they're mm-hmm. doing expert shit. Like, to I've be fair, it. GameSpot got that from other YouTube channels anyway. There's no uh, original I, ideas well, left. To be fair, everybody stole everything from game trailers back in the day, if you really yeah. want to get to the nitty-gritty of it. But the, the fact of the matter is, is like IGN is just taking over. All the little guys are running out of money. They can't produce content. They, no one can compete with IGN, yeah. not even GameSpot at this point. Like They are just... IGN is a snowball rolling downhill and is just rolling over all the little guys. So, yes... I mean, it's already here. It's not even that it's the future. It's now. Now coverage is about small groups, small Patreons, solos, whatever. That's just what it is. G4 didn't steal anything from game trailers because we couldn't afford to do any of that shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. We'll answer one more. Um, let's see. There's so many. We can't answer them all. I'm sorry, guys. Um, Lestavad, the owner of LS Cream, will answer his question because he supports us big time. Um, are you excited for the Marvels, Matt? We kind of talked about it last week, but... No, because I've talked to too many people who worked on it. Not really? <laughs> like, I've seen it already. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's not great. Yeah. And it sucks because I like all three of those characters. And I, I, was, I, was ex- I was, would be excited for it, but I've heard too much negative stuff from people. And I think... You know, I think staring down the barrel, staring down the barrel of a forty million dollar opening weekend, which is less than Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, it just and it really suffers. It suffered from kind of the less excitement for Marvel over the course of sort of like some you know lackluster stuff. Ant Man did some damage. Um, Guardians still obviously did well, but people care about those characters. The problem here is like yeah, you know, Captain Marvel one made like a one point one billion dollars. So people were super ready. I mean, that was also because it was in the middle of the Infinity War endgame hype cycle. Mm-hmm. But, like, the reason Guardians did well is people are invested in those characters. People care about Rocket Raccoon and Gamora and Drax and everyone. They want to see what happens. Yeah. 
how can you be invested in Captain Marvel when she's been in maybe six minutes total footed, total screen time since her movie? That's true. Like, yeah. they haven't done anything yeah. with her. Yeah. You've got, and then Monica, also cool, love Photon, but she was in WandaVision uh, mostly. Mm. Like, you know her from the first movie, but, uh, you know, you know she's pow- powered up because of the WandaVision thing, which is like, and, and then Kamala, who's great, like, is from, you know, Ms. Marvel is a good show. But again, the problem with like branching into TV like this is hundreds of thousands of people watch the TV shows. Millions of people watch the movies. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's going to be like a quick, you know, 10-minute recap. You know, these people have never met. People you know, are going to know what's going on. Two of them haven't met Ms. Marvel before, so there's going to be a quick, like, recap of who these people are. But, like, people have been seeing this, and, like, there's a lot of FUD being spread on Twitter about, like, oh, nobody knows who these people are. But a lot of it is just, like, there's no investment in the characters because there's not a widespread audience that has seen Monica and Kamala and Carol has been a non-entity in the MCU since twenty since her movie came out. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, like Guardians work because people are still invested in Guardians. Um, it is the shortest Marvel Cinematic Universe movie of all time. So are you gonna go see it in the theater still? Yeah, I have tickets for Thursday. But okay. like, if you look at our showing, which is a big, you know, usually a big smattering of people. No, like, there's like it's the, it's the it's the smallest crowd I've ever seen for an opening night screening. Of a, of a big comic book movie, and that includes Flash. Wow! Like Flash was pretty empty. <laughs> it's not encouraging. Like I haven't seen I haven't seen a, a opening night uh, Hollywood screening of some of a major like a big action movie kind of thing this empty since Uncharted. Wow! And Uncharted was us and like ten other people yeah. in the whole theater, and this looks to be about the same. And um, yeah, and it's also hurt by the strike. I think if you had all three of the actresses doing press and having clips right. from different shows popping up, on that, yeah. like the, you don't know, you don't re- realize how loud the machine is until it's off, turned off, you yeah. know. And there was just there was just no way to get this movie into the zeitgeist and kind of create those moments. Like you have, you know, Tom Holland and Zendaya, you know, being cute together was like a lot. You know, helped No Way Home a lot. Yeah, yeah. helped those Spider-Man movies a lot. And you don't just don't have that because of the strike and I, the Marvels is essentially being sent to die at yeah. this point. Um, but and uh, and actually, I mean, I'm kind of checked out of the Marvel stuff just because it's been so aimless. I'm out. Um, <laughs> I don't care about it at all anymore, really. And I'm, I mean, I care. I like to see it come back. I'm. I, I mean, I, I would hope, too. But... I hope Cap Four is good. Like mm-hmm. I like those characters. I mean, I like those characters. I just don't. Oh, it, it just doesn't feel like they're doing anything with anything Agreed. anymore. Uh, I haven't even watched Loki season two yet, and yeah. I liked Loki season one a lot. Yeah. Um, so I didn't feel like it's burnout. It was just too much. Like it was just too much Marvel in a short period of time, and they had a great. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't too series much, of films. It wasn't too much Marvel. It was not good enough Marvel. Uh, That's the problem. I, I'm kind of burnt out on superhero stuff. I'm just being honest. Like I, I mean, you can say that whatever you want. What I'm saying is, there, if it all been as good as that last third of the Infinity Saga, no one would have a problem. But see, it takes the build up though, Matt. You can't just flip the switch and all of a right. sudden shit's that but, good. Like well, you have to build it no, through like, talk- all the films. I'm not talking about build up. I'm talking about quality. You can make a really good, engaging first act of another big story. They didn't do that. None of these films connect with to each other anymore. Yeah. Like, what does in, what does Eternals have to do with anything? Are we ever going to see Harry Styles show up again? Like, who knows? Like, but see, when I first started watching that, the first Marvel movies, I had no inkling that they were going to all connect together, and there was going to be this gigantic war at the end. Like, I was just watching the movies. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, but like, what I'm saying is, you it can, can happen organically. Like, but you can doesn't matter organically. You can construct a three act structure of an epic saga to follow up the Thanos stuff yeah. and they didn't do that. Yeah. We got to go. We're way that's over it. time. Like the the they they dropped the ball. It wasn't 
this didn't have to happen this way. Okay. There, there was a mistake. Were, there were mistakes they made. All right. Uh, well, maybe we'll get your actual review of it in next week's episode. Yeah, I mean, after you go see it, I'll have maybe it'll be it. better than you hope. I hope so. Maybe <laughs> you I never mean, know. Yeah, you'd be surprised. I, I'm just happy I'm going to get home earlier than normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, listen, thanks to everybody on our chat. You guys are awesome. I'm really so it really it does hurt me when I see so many questions in our chat that we can't answer. Like, I really wish we could stick around and answer them all, um, but we can't. Uh, but thank you guys, everyone in chat. You guys are awesome. Thank you for live fact checking us like you always do, so we don't have to do a a weird like here's where we messed up segment in every episode thanks for all that thanks for showing up live period you guys make the show better with your questions and your comments that we weave into the show thank you very much um if you listen to this show on any of the podcast services or you're watching it on youtube and you want to support us head to patreon.com sifted that's s-i-f-t-d for four dollars a month you get all our content early and unlike other patreons you really get it early Game Face four days early, Pactor Factor a week early, everything else at least three days early. There's really value in being a patron with us. Everyone else has to wait a, quite a while to get our content for free on YouTube or the podcast services. And if you're listening to it on the podcast services and you can't afford to contribute, you don't want to, and you still want to help, just review the show. Review the show on the podcast service right now. It would be a huge help for us. It makes a big difference. It gets new people tuned into the show. So thanks everybody in the chat. You guys are great. Thanks to all our patrons. Thanks to our sponsors, LS Cream and soundwizardry.com. We love all you guys. We'll see you next Tuesday. Game faces up and out.